the target of a meat missile going 150 miles an hour plus. That got really <laughs> exciting all of a sudden. I'm doing canopy safety. Um, I drive like an Asian, so I don't know if it's the most appropriate thing ever. I'm killing it. Utah, give me two. You're listening to Gravity Lab Radio, hosted by DJ Marvin and produced by Nicholas Lott. Have we talked about skydiving the whole time? Gentlemen. Man, it's, it's, I miss that it's, voice. It's happening. For a long time, Mr. Serrero, Nick would actually start the show with gentlemen and whatever else he had to say. And since he's moved to the couch and not behind the desk, we actually... And by the way, those of you joining us tonight, we have Nick Lott back behind the desk. So hey! We, hey, I remember how. The this fabulous is Mr. P! I actually feel a little bit more on the spot than than I have been in the last few shows. Y- you have to think about it for a second. Yeah, there is a little bit of, uh, of computing that goes on back here. I got a lot of <coughs> buttons to, to babysit. Yeah, and I think we got a little bit busier over time uh, with some of the additional cameras and stuff. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, uh, Nick, it's just good to hear your voice again. Tonight we have Nick Serrera joining us. Uh, Nick is a tunnel instructor at... I fly. I fly Houston. And I uh, want to talk and introduce him here in a little bit. But before we do that, uh, got to thank our advertisers. Tonight, we're really going to thank the uh, we're gonna thank the rating center. The hey, who, who owns the rating center? Some do you know? fucking asshole, dude. But the rest of the people who work there are phenomenal crews. Hey, do, do you? I don't know how many people know that you used to teach traffic school. I is taught that, traffic is school. Is that true? Yes, is sir. Yes, so, sir. And, and the phone number is one eight hundred three four nine zero five one one. I used to know it by heart. Well, I uh, <laughs> I don't know how much that's attributed to your ability to effectively commu- uh, communicate <clears throat> serious information to people. But uh, I almost started uh, sitting in. You have a coach course going on right now, yeah? Yes, sir. I I wanted to come and uh, steal a seat up there, but uh, I just haven't had time. Uh, actually, this week has been a super fun coach course. So uh, I do own the rating center. Uh, some people and most of our listeners know that I am the owner of the rating center. But there's actually jumpers regularly at Spaceland who find out I own the rating center and they're shocked. And um, a good friend of ours, Stephen Boyd, really hates titles. And I don't always want people to know I own the company. I just want people to know I work with the company. Because if you book with a course, a course with a rating center, you're not necessarily booking it with me. Henry Pruitt, who's been on the show a couple times, is my right hand. He is my number one. He is my William Riker. Um, he just kills it. He's my Dr. Spock. Keep up with the Star Trek references. <clears throat> and, 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 and Henry is just absolutely wonderful. Uh, today, Chris Fudala taught, or the last three days, a coach course. And Chris Fudala has to teach two full coach courses under supervision before he becomes a coach examiner. Next week, he does his final instructor examiner rating course, and Mr. Fudala will be our newest examiner. My wife, Valerie Marvin, is also a coach examiner, runs weekend courses. So we, we've got uh, two or three other guys who are either with us or joining us. DQ recently got engaged. You see that shit? I did see that he got engaged. I thought that was very cute. Yeah, dude. Uh, and he, he's also doing canopy coaching, right? He does canopy coaching right now. He's really working and focusing on the basics and the fundamentals. He's a phenomenal high-performance pilot, one of the best I definitely know. But he wants to make sure his fundamental teachings are there before he works on the high-performance stuff. <clears throat> but DQ is going to be offering more high-performance coaching, which I do plenty of as is. Uh, but DQ is also going to bring to the table XRW coaching. So here in the near future... Oh, he must, his ears must have been burning. Is it burning? DQ, I love you, brother. Congratulations to you and Miss Ivy on your, on your, on your engagement. Oh, I love those two, man. Um, but yeah, if you want to get into XRW, particularly from the canopy piloting side, DQ is going to be offering coaching on that. We're working on developing the plans for that right now. 
Excuse me, just belched. So I just want to know. Let's say that I'm a I'm a newer jumper, but you know I'm getting some skills. I'm interested in getting my coach rating, or let's let's say I've even got you know six seven hundred jumps. I'm starting to feel pretty confident. I want to go after a tandem rating or an AFF rating. How do I? What's the first step? How do I? How do, how do I start? First of all, you start by belly flying a lot, and I think no matter what we've talked about, that's been a statement. But uh, hit me up. Uh, email info at the ratingscenter the ratings with an S T H E R A T I N G S. Don't even do center.com. Oh, this one I spell all the time. This one I was just spelling this one for 10 I years. S- now. I saw you close your eyes and, and visualize that word. I had to, man. I had to. Um, <clears throat> send, an, send an email to info at the ratings with an S center.com. Um, and we'll get back to you. We actually have put together PDFs or electronic documents for each course that tells you exactly what you need to prepare. Yeah. The, what's, what's the biggest prereq that people are missing? You have to get the coach course first. And to attend a coach course, you have to have a B license, at least 100 skydives. We recommend at least 200. And you and I talked about this recently. There's people who can pass the coach course rating, and I still don't think they're very qualified coaches. Would you say that's a fair statement? I would statement? say that that's absolutely true. Man. And I would say that I was even, I was absolutely on that list. At 100 jumps, there's no way I I was ready to... Uh, you had more than 100 jumps when we did your course. Oh, I had like, yeah, 3,000. 3, I said you had a shitload. Yeah. Okay, but if you had done it at 100. No, if I had done it at 100, I would have... Not taken nearly as much away from it, just because my, uh, you know, my own personal base of experience wouldn't have been there to to glean as much information. Yeah, yeah. And I was just a really shitty flyer, <laughs> so I, I don't think I had a whole lot to teach anybody. I agree, man, and, and that's why we recommend at the rating center at least two hundred jumps, a hundred of them focused, coached, mentored style belly jumps, because you are getting a rating to be a belly instructor. So really focus on that. You also have to help uh, teach a first jump course because part of your job is to be able to teach. So, so those are the basic nuts and shells of what you got to do to get involved. But send me an email, info at the Rating Center. We'll help you get prepared. A lot of people say, I'm not ready yet, but I want to do this in a year from now. Prepare today, prepare now. Nick, before we started, you said you want to do these goals. Yep. So when you leave tonight, I'm going to leave you. I'm going to actually give you that electronic document. I'll, I'll print it up for you, and then I'll send it to you as an email, and we'll talk about the plan that what you need to do to get ready. Cool. Now, one of it is belly fly a lot, and you happen to have access to that. A little bit. Yeah? Why, why, you fly a lot. What's going on in your life nowadays, buddy? Uh, so I started working at iFly uh, mid-February. So, yeah, a lot I of w- belly flying. I want to know how many jumps you had before you started at iFly. <clears throat> Um, about three hundred fifty. Okay, so had you uh you started skydiving before tunnel flying? I'm, I'm I'm gonna guess. Correct. And how many jumps did you have when you started getting in the tunnel? <clears throat> um, I think I did the tunnel actually one time before I was skydiving. Oh, cool. Just kind of you know drove by it every day on the way to work. Do you feel like that had anything to do with uh, you starting skydiving as a sport? Probably. Uh, I definitely bought a return pack, and I was convinced I was going to learn how to fly. At the Memorial Tunnel? Yeah. Oh, awesome. All that fun Super stuff. cool. I think Boo actually was my instructor the oh. very first time I went in. Great. Dude, real quick, switch to your camera. I got to do this for one second. Hey. Right over your head, can you actually maybe tilt that camera up a little bit? Right over your head, I have three photos, and I got to thank, shout out to the Mighty Mighty Boo. Boo actually hooked Shout us out. up, man. Uh, Boo gave me three uh, patent photos, and they're a picture of a rig, an ejection seat, and actually the far right one, Nick. Can you see what that is? It sure looks a lot like a wind tunnel to me. And it actually, and I've looked up all these patents. They're all legit patents. They're all real patents. And first of all, Boo, thank you for helping decorate, and thank you for helping put the uh, lab together and making it look better. But that patent is currently and actively owned by Sky Venture. So that is actually uh, probably one of the first modern designs. It's kind of badass. Dude, I think it's super dope, man. So, uh, Nick, there's a little history of yours right there across behind Nick. Sweet. So, um, so 
I really want to kind of focus tonight on, a, on, on one major topic, what it's like to become a tunnel instructor and where it's coming from. Sure. You've listened to the show quite a bit, I believe. Yep, probably at least 40 episodes. So you know we're going to stray all that's over almost, the place. It's almost sad. Almost all of them. <laughs> so hang on. This, this, is, always odd. this is always odd to me. Like, I, I guess the, the one person who I, I just imagine who listens to the show, and the, I guess the person that it makes most sense to me is a newer jumper because there is a lot of, uh, you know, fundamental skydiving knowledge that we discuss pretty often. So uh, why, why did you start listening? I probably started listening just because I knew some of the guests. Okay. Back when uh, Tommy and Hank were on, probably first 10 episodes. Uh, so that was cool. And then just like you said, just any kind of skydiving info I could get out of it, I thought it'd be worth it. Well, here you are. I know. So I, I got to I think be- you always think as a fan of the show, what would it be like to be on there? But I never <laughs> thought I would actually do anything worth being on the show. Man, existing. Like today, I went on a skydive that wasn't necessarily the most successful skydive, but what it was was a lot of fun with my friends, and to me, that makes it the largest amount of success. And you're just a fucking good guy. I met you in a canopy course Thanks. with your boyfriend, Jared Bagnato. That's right. Got to get him back right? up there. Bags. Dude, <clears throat> Jared is such a fucking solid, solid motherfucker. And, and the day I met you, you immediately stood out. <clears throat> Sorry. Still trying to get over this bronchitis. I'm mainly there. Um... But uh, definitely, you stood out as an outstanding fella. Now, we have a story and excuse to have you on. The reason is, is you're just a good dude, and this is about us hanging out with homies. So thanks Appreciate for hanging that. out. So when did you go through your <laughs> FITP course? Whoa, whoa, hold oh, on. Let's sorry. Back. I'm, okay, I'm jumping the gun. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you want, so you become a tunnel instructor. But yeah. wait a minute. How, when did you realize, I want to be a tunnel instructor? I want to live my life in a crack tube. Uh, well, there's a long story or a short story. So We got time. Okay. Um. Probably the second I got laid off for my old job <laughs> at Shell. So what were you doing at Shell? Uh, engineering, fracking, workovers, all that oil field stuff. Yeah. Do you know why mermaids wear seashells? <laughs> no. Because B shells are too small and D shells are too big. Mighty, mighty Hank. That's not the first <laughs> time I've heard that joke today, and I did hear it out of Hank's mouth. You were standing Hopefully right by me as he told it. Yeah. It's horrible. <laughs> Hank jokes. Um, so you were an engineer at Shank. At Shank. <laughs> Shell. What kind of engineer? Like drive the choo-choo train? Yeah, pretty much. No, um, I was mechanical in college, and I also did nuclear engineering, but I never did anything with that. Uh, I went to Shell right after school, so four <laughs> years of that. So wait a minute, nuclear engine? What, what the fuck do you do? Like, do you build bombs that, that like killed my motherland? <sighs> I think it was more uh, like power plants and power generation. Okay, so the shit that my motherland is now polluting the ocean with. Yeah, so okay. I was in college when that tsunami hit in Fukushima, and that's kind of what got me out of pursuing that as a job. You were in college? How old are you? 28. I hate you. Um, Speaking of being 28, on the way here at Bucky's, <laughs> I went in to get some beer, and they almost wouldn't give it to me because I have the paper driver's license. Uh, I just went to the, what is it, the DPS in Texas. They yes. give you the paper one first. They weren't going to accept that. They really let me down. But I had uh, an old Pennsylvania one that I showed them. <laughs> you do look young. I, I, it's illegal I, I don't think license. you look 20. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you look 20. So you get laid off from your job. You're an yeah. engineer. Correct. At this point, you think, fuck it. I'm going to work in a tunnel. Uh, probably not that fast. I mean, it was kind of a fantasy, but I didn't actually think I was going to do it. Um, I had just started skydiving. So I've been talking to some people at the DZ about either skydiving or the tunnel. And actually, everyone talked me out of doing it. 
And now in hindsight, I realize I really hadn't talked to anyone that actually worked at iFly. I was just talking to a bunch of other skydivers. So I probably could have uh, considered it a little bit more, but it just didn't seem real at the time. Kind of just like a fantasy job. I definitely, we live in a fantasy world till you live in it. And then you realize dreams are also nightmares or nightmares are also dreams. <clears throat> and it's definitely a fun job either way. We, we live in, in sister worlds. You know, our worlds are very related. So now you get laid off. You actually were living here in Houston at the time. Yep. And you moved back to Pennsylvania. Yep. So I'm from Pittsburgh. Uh, and when I got laid off, pretty much the only thing I had going was I was going to move back with my parents, take some time off, figure out what I wanted to do. Be a hockey groupie. Sure. Yeah, that came along pretty quickly. Uh, working for the Penguins. Yeah, I actually uh, I enjoyed looking out the photos because you. What what did you do for the Penguins? I was pretty much a male cheerleader, dude. And and you joke saying that, but I watch all these pictures, dude. And you're hanging out with hotties all night long. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it stood out, it dude. There were good looking girls in that crowd for sure. So if I go to a hockey game, there's dudes and gals who run out and fire T-shirt cannons and throw shit at me and hype up the crowd. That's what you're doing? Yeah, so it was called the Ice Crew, and I guess the main thing we did was we wore skates. We went out during commercial breaks, and we shoveled the ice. Uh, so the Zamboni goes out during intermission. We kind of filled in the gaps during the period. Okay. So we did that, and then if you weren't on the ice for whatever reason that night, yeah, you were throwing T-shirts or... Running the aisles, hanging out with the mascot. Yeah. Yep, were exactly. you ever the mascot? No. No? That's a full-time job. That guy's been doing that for like 40 years. Dude, have you ever worn the mascot outfit? I have not. It's hot as fuck. I believe it. I've dressed as a few different mascots. It's skydiving. They want mascots to jump in in tandems. And uh, all the mascot outfits we've been given, we're like, we will jump this, but Freefall will destroy it. Are you sure you want this to? There's pictures that I fly of John <laughs> Walker flying, I think, the Skeeters mascot. Is that the Sugarland baseball team? Yeah, 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 that's him. Yeah, he's wearing that in the tunnel. It's pretty crazy. So you moved back to Pennsylvania. You yep. lived there for how long? Uh, you mean before? Or no, no, no. This this last visit as far as getting laid off before you moved back here. So I got laid off the summer of 2016. Um, I was there all said and done about a year and a half. So I'd originally planned not to be that long, but you know how life is. Oh, dude, you just get caught up. It's a whirlwind. Yep. So at, during this time frame, what are you doing? Just the, just the ice crew thing? Yeah, so that the tryout for that was the day I moved home. I mean, like we parked the U-Haul 4 a.m. I was at the rink at 8 doing the tryout and all that. So uh, if I didn't get that job, you know, I probably wouldn't have been home as long. But once I got that, I knew I was going to be there at least a year right off the bat. And for you, it's, it's kind of one of those other dream jobs. Yeah. Yeah. It was the first time I ever did something just for fun. Just straight up fun job. I mean, it, you know, it's not a career. It's not full time. But you, you, it could be full time, but you're not going to make a real living. Yeah, I mean, it could be a career, but if it's your career, you're it's yeah. I guess sad. if you're retired, it could be full time. But mm. yeah, I mean, even just the hours to pay, you know, it's not yeah, it's more, not full time work. But you get to go to every game for free. Uh, they pay you to be there, which is awesome. Probably would have been going to games anyways. It's my childhood team, so yeah. Now, did you come back to Houston for iFly and knowing iFly was is going to be a job, or did you come back and then iFly came up? No, so. Uh, I had been interviewing Woodlands and Memorial City, and then when I got the offer at Memorial City, that's when I pulled the trigger and moved back. Okay. Now, over the years, I've heard and seen different versions of the hiring process, different versions of the application process, and even FITP, which stands for? Uh, first Flight Instructor Training Program. Cool. Not Wait, first. <laughs> you look at me like I'm supposed I, I do know, but you're the one who just went through it, homie. Um, and I've heard a bunch of variances, so definitely the world has changed today to what it was. Mm -hmm. You find out that you want to work at iFly. How did you even apply? What did, what did you do to even try to get in? 
so originally I thought I was going to get an engineering job. That was kind of my grown up goal. Um, and I kind of just assumed that I would send them my resume and they would hire me because why wouldn't it work out like that? <laughs> but uh, that's not how life works sometimes. So um, kind of thought it over. I uh, talked to some people about, you know, why do the engineering route when I want to be in the wind anyways. Um, I actually talked to Cy Elliott a lot about it. He kind of convinced me to go for it. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I started talking to people I knew. Uh, I knew Mark Keller. He had done some coaching for me. Uh, I hit up Tex, who I had uh, done a couple jumps with at that Vector camp a few years back. Oh, yeah. Um, I knew Jed a little bit through Jared, um, just over the internet. I'd never met him. but So I started talking to those guys, you know, asking questions about what it's like to work there. Um, there were some online postings that I applied to that I never heard back from. Um, and then I actually came down here in December to visit Jared in San Antonio. Just decided to rent a car and come over here, popped in. And I think that's what did the trick. I uh, just kind of walked in and said, hey, I want to work here. So, uh, Mr. P, you actually know quite a few. And we both know quite a few iFly instructors, but you, you know them a lot better. You actually do a lot of projects for the company. A little bit. Um, people want to hire in at iFly, and, and two things sound like happened to me here. Number one, persistence probably was a help, but number two, actually making your face seen and making your face known. Yep. What would you say that experience is looking from the outside in? Would you? What Gosh. would you recommend people do to get hired on? It, it really seems like there's almost a feel for the personalities that, that do well there. The I don't... I interviewed to work at the Austin Tunnel in 2012. And it was very different than it is now. It was, uh, they wanted to have hands-on, like, super, super in-depth, face-to-face interaction with people who are pretty high up in the company. Like, VP of Operations was the person who interviewed every person that wanted to be a tunnel instructor. And now it seems like just because of the growth of the company, they've had to spread that responsibility out to uh, a lot of the the GMs and the the lead instructors at the tunnels do it now. So I don't know how... um, I don't know how much my experience compares to what it's like now, but it seems like I almost get a feel for people who are going to end up being uh, good instructors. It's like you got to have that good smile, you got to be friendly, and you got to be uh, able to put up with some bullshit and still be happy. And it seems like the people that, uh, that that fit that bill do really well. It seems like with the description you've given Mr. P and Nick Serrera, the, the, what you've just described to me, it seems like being there in person is really going to be the way to sell yourself because they need to be sold on a personality. Is that Would you guys say that's a fair assessment? For sure. <clears throat> I, mean, I don't I, even know if I would have gotten a you know, call back if I hadn't gone in in person. So. I mean, I think that's the same with any job. I would, I would never hire a videographer who was just like, hey, I want to work there. I'm not going to put any effort into it. You want to give me a job? <laughs> I wouldn't say yes to that person. You, you say that, but to a point, we actually, in the skydiving industry, do a lot of hiring blindly. We do, think, unfortunately, have to deal I with mean, that. I there, mean, there are some things that you inherit, and then there are some things that you get to go after and, and approve of, you know? Sure. And so uh, there are absolutely times where someone does show up, not because I've talked to them, but just because they've had you know, an experience with a, a manager or someone else involved in the company that, that mm-hmm. gave him the, the come on out speech. And I think the later in the season, plus the greater our need is, the more likely it is that we'll run into that situation of, hey, just we just need people to fill slots. Mm-hmm. And then we get to, you know, sometimes we get really lucky and, and somebody really great with a great skill set, a lot of experience shows up. And then sometimes someone without uh, as much experience shows up and we get to have a whole lot of time uh, and fun coaching them up. 
there's no doubt in my mind when it comes to skydive spaceland and other drop zones i've worked at but but i've been spaceland for 12 years so i can really remember it the most uh the people who've lasted the longest the people who've done the best have commonly been people who've shown up made their face seen hung out was willing to do whatever they could to help when they could help and very quickly steven or jason Hyder used to be saw that like man you got the initiative you got the prerogative you're self-motivated you're not expecting us to hand shit to you you're actually doing what i ask you to do hey man if that's what it, if that's what you're going to do then fuck yeah you keep showing up then i'm going to put you to work do you think that's the same kind of thing going on at iFly? yeah for sure um especially kind of having the the blind hire of me living in pittsburgh um just showing up, uh, Sasha, the assistant GM, was there that night, so I met her. Um, uh-huh. She made time for me the next morning. I came in, did a formal interview. I never actually met Christian, the GM. Uh, we did a phone interview, but you know, being in Pittsburgh, I probably wouldn't have gotten that job if I hadn't popped in there. I just now realized I don't go to the tunnel very often anymore. I used to know everybody there. I have no clue what two names you just told me. Yeah, those faces change a lot, change yeah. fast. Uh, it's a lot like skydiving, indoor or outdoor. We have a high turnover rate. Now, <clears throat> I remember once upon a time, and Nick, I think you might remember this, to actually even get hired on at iFly, you had to be able to run so far, so fast. And I think it was more like a... Uh, yeah, it had a fitness test. It was funny. I was actually looking up... Uh, I was, there's a video that I made for iFly about the, the, first, or the flight instructor pr- training program. It was kind of like a day in the life. Uh, it kind of just talks about FITP and the struggles and what people like about it and what keeps people motivated. Did you see that when you when you first started? Nope. Okay, never mind. Um, I think they're but, redoing the whole program or they're trying to standardize it. Yeah, probably. It, so. I, I don't know. But they, they used to have um, that, that fitness test, and I think that it's not legal <laughs> on some level for them to have a fitness test. Uh-huh. I think they can tell people that it's strenuous. I think they can tell people, oh, the people that do well do yada, 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 and the, uh, the, con- the course consists of this. I think they can share all of that information, but I think it's discrimination to some level to say that you have to be able to do this many pull-ups or run this fast or any of that. So I think that that's why they had to pull it as their... It got to be a big enough company that they had to start worrying about those little stupid legal HR deals. When you grow, you got you to gotta deal with it. So you, there was no physical... Nope. Kay. No fitness testing. Now Which I had, I had heard there would be, even for somebody getting hired you know in the time frame i did and to be real man you're in good shape you're physically fit you're a clean cut looking dude i mean really if i'm looking at somebody coming to me saying i want to work for you i'll hire you man you're just a fucking good looking clean cut feller you're you you know hey i want to introduce this face to my customers you're a face you're a look you're 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 really that you know, Amber Crombie, Amber Crombie and Fitch look. It's a little bit of an insult, I think. It really yeah. is. It, it was meant <laughs> to be a backhanded <laughs> compliment. Uh, do you have any clue what the old test was? No. Nick, can there you... There was the, uh, the beep test, right? Yeah, there's the a beep the, test. I, is it a bleep test? Bleep. That was... Bleep. The bleep, bleep test is... I, I don't remember how far apart these two points are. I want to say it's like 20 meters or something like that. But you have to be able to pass a certain level. So you... The, the bleeps get closer and closer together, so you get a shorter and shorter time period to make a distance from, from point A to point B. And so you start off walking and then end up running, and then at the very end you're, you're sprinting to, to get as high as, of a level as you can. And I think they had a requirement for that. And then based on your body weight, you had to do a certain number of pull-ups. And mm-hmm. then, God, I want to say there was a third thing, maybe burpees, like as many burpees as you could do in a minute or something like that. That sounds familiar. Yeah. yeah. Bleep and, and burpees are words that sound familiar. Other than that, you know how much I work out, man. I run when I have to go to the bathroom. Other than that, I mean, I showed up to the DZ the other morning for work, and here's Mr. P running up and down the, the taxiway getting his workout. And I know you love to run. I fucking hate running. 
but yet you do it, man. Well, that's what you got to do. I'm learning. I'm working. I'm, I'm getting better. I'll get there one day, buddy. So, Nick, how, how long ago did you start your FITP course? Uh, Mid-February. So I think it took about a month. Graduated sometime in March. Okay. So between the hiring process and starting FITP, how long did that take? Um, so I didn't have a formal FITP. I just had a start date. Um, yeah. So I got the offer. I had two weeks to get to Houston. So that was kind of stressful. I uh, showed up for work my first day. I uh, did all the onboarding stuff. And then the second day... I was with John. We just started. So we had we had the uh, we had John Walker on the show not too long ago, um, and John, absolutely wonderful guy. And actually, while he was on the show, you were in FITP. Correct. So FITP stands for Flight Instructor Training Program. And, and what the fuck is FITP? Uh, basically, they teach you how to take first timers and to keep everybody alive. So one of the things I hear from my homies, like, "Yo, bro, I got fifty skydives. I'm gonna go work at iFly." Yeah, you are. Yeah, bro. I'm going to fly nonstop. Man, when I take my FITP, all I'm going to do is fly. Yeah? How's that sound to you? You're laughing at me as I say these words. Yeah. I mean, you do learn how to fly because you have to to work there. You can't embarrass the company. Uh, but it's belly flying and back flying only. But yeah. that's a pretty small part of all the training. In FITP, what percentage of your time would you say is spent flying on your belly or back? Ooh, maybe, maybe 30, 40. I think it's probably I, higher than than I'm giving it credit for. I actually thought it was lower than what you just said yeah, based off history. Uh, I thought it was a lot of walking. I thought it was almost all walking. In the beginning, it is. It's a lot of walking. But yeah, yeah, I mean, they can't graduate you if you can't even do like basic belly flying. So sure, you know. So what are you learning to do? I mean, why are you standing the whole time? I, I man, I'm a tunnel instructor. I should be able to fly, right? Yeah. So uh, it's just it's funny how easily you can get knocked over when you're new. I mean, even if you're you know, I've been in the tunnel a couple hours before I worked there, and I thought I could walk and everything, but uh, John could just come in and just tap on my shoulder and knock me over. So you can't have students that are just <laughs> trying to, you know, they're just trying to hold a stable position, and if they bump into you and you fall over, that'd be pretty bad. So literally, I, I, I so when I, uh, the first time I walked into an iFly tunnel, I, uh, a buddy had built a portable tunnel once upon a time. I helped them build the tunnel in the winter. I, I didn't work in Indiana. I had the winners off. My bro was like, yo, buddy, come help me build this tunnel. I can't afford to pay you, but I'll, 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 I'll uh, let you drink all day. I'll, I'll buy you all the beer you want. And uh, we didn't drink while we were building, but when we were done, I'll feed you the entire time. And when the tunnel's built, you can fly as much as you want. And so I got 10 hours in this portable tunnel, wall-to-wall. It was actually a pretty decent design. So first time I walked into the iFly, I had tons of experience standing on a net. I had tons of experience because we didn't know what we are doing. Um, do you know who John Suter is? No. Do you know you don't even recognize the name? Nope. Do you know the name John Suter? Nope, not at all. Jesus Christ. Um, John Suter is really one of the forefathers of modern tunnel flight. He really was, was a leader and a pioneer. Um, Fifteen years ago, John was a much bigger name than today. It, it almost blows my mind. Um, I bet that guy bent his legs all the time. <laughs> what do you mean bent his legs? <laughs> See, you're obviously not in with the new kids. No. Oh. Got to have those legs the straight, Euro son. style. <laughs> I just call it hero style at this point. Jay is uh, Venendal is the first person who got me the idea of like, you gotta look like you know, right there, Charlie Chaplin. That's what you do. That's an yeah. efficient wing. I, I dude, I get it. I heard you talking to Carlos today, Chulo, about that. You know, wide is gonna give you more balance, but tight's gonna give you that power. Get him straight and get him out there. Um, but John, Su oh yeah, dude, tunnels were inefficient back then. You had to be bent to get anything. Um, this tunnel that we had, it, it was in in Indiana. Uh, you could belly fly no problem. Uh, so what is a portable tunnel? Dude, 
we legitimately, we like straight up bought a locomotive engine, took that locomotive engine, built, uh, got a Carver propeller for a plane, giant propeller, had it carved down, trimmed down, and reshaped to fit in the diameter t- uh, tube we had. I, I say we, he had. And then we took tube and axles and built square tube and built a trailer around all of this, built it up and had a deck so this could go anywhere on a freeway legally. When it gets where it belongs, it had portable panels stacked on it, and we would actually just stack the portable panels up and actually build a 10-foot-tall tunnel. I think it was it was 10-foot wide, so I think it was 20-foot tall. And uh, I, I think that might be uh, something Suter's involved with. That's an outdoor tunnel, and I believe in North Carolina, Nick. Is that what that yeah, is? Yeah, that's right. Um, and so wait, was the fan actually below the net So then? it was a pusher. And, wow. I mean, the focusing cone we had, the fins we had, John Suter was actually uh, the um, uh, consultant on it. And, goddamn, it was dirty air, man. It was beating. But John could fly on his head in that sucker. The idea that you could get knocked over in the wind makes me laugh. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was pathetic. So you had how many jumps when you walked into the tunnel as a, for FITP, you said? For FITP, uh, right around 350. So at 350 jumps, let's be real. Most people with 350 jumps think they got it figured out. Yeah, but luckily I listened to the show, so I knew how little I actually knew. Dude, I, I don't even think listening to the show is it. I think you're a fairly modest dude. I, I've got to train with you a little bit. Thanks. And I've even got to hang out with you at night after hours. And you're, you're very inquisitive, which is a good thing in the sport. You should want a lot of information. I ask a lot of questions. You, you do ask a lot of questions. There's no doubt <laughs> about it. Especially at dinner. Especially at dinner. So uh, if you guys ever listen to the show, I told a story about a dude who one homie was hanging out having a good time. Yeah, you is, burn him in this story, was, don't you? Yeah, was <laughs> Jared Bagnato and this other dude just wouldn't stop asking questions. And in the middle of the dinner, he goes, yo, bro, I'm sorry I'm asking a lot of questions. I know you're not at work. Yo, dude, I appreciate you understanding. I hate asking work questions not at work. Sweet, so let me ask more questions. That was actually Nick Serrera. And the, oh, I think it was, what, like three days later, you and I were at the drop zone, and he comes up and That was like, at the tunnel. Oh, at the tunnel. I don't right? think you knew I was back yet. Yeah. I saw you right after that. And you're like, yo, bro, I heard that burn. I'm like, oh, son of... Oh, we, <laughs> oh I did. I we did were at night sessions. Yeah. yeah, you were doing that sequel squirrel, squirrel session with us that yep. night. Yeah, dude. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, I forgot that's that when that fun. happened. Yeah, that was a lot of fun, man. So, yeah, Nick is, is the guy I burnt in there. I wasn't going to throw you under the bus, but you, you pulled it out. Um, cool. hey, I still want to know more about your uh, FITP program. Yeah, because I know kind of the uh, like the classic thing that the dudes used to go through when it was uh, you know there weren't many one on one FITPs like what you went right. through. So I, yeah, I it's a lot hear, more common to be a group of four. Or something I, I like want to get there in one second, but I want to hit this one thing to the beginning. At three hundred fifty jumps, you're modest enough to realize, well, I don't know what I don't know. Yeah, I think a lot of that is because I learned at Spaceland, yeah. and there were just so many sick. But how many arrogant people do you see at 350 jumps? A lot. Yeah, and, and we see the same. At 350 jumps, you still got your ass whooped. Just, you just got knocked over with a flick of a finger. Yeah. So I don't care how good you think you are. How humbling is the tunnel? Oh, it's very humbling. Yeah, yeah the walls hurt. So now that's the beginning of FITP. Sure. What's, Nick, the rest of the story for you, Mr. P? Where are you at? Oh, I just want to know, uh, kind of. you didn't know John at all before this, right? No, so typically I think you interview with uh, the lead before you get a job, but I never met John until I showed up. So we so, met right before our first session. Yeah, and uh, what was that first session like? Uh, so that is a lot of walking. Um, the first few days, you you're kind of walking, carving, like learning how to walk. You always want to kind of have the wind on your back. Almost everyone leans forward, gets it on their belly. So 
you just have to make that instinct, um, trying to walk on your heels instead of your toes. So, so as someone who's only walking ever... circles around the tunnel, literally for twenty minutes at a time. It's... Yeah, that's what I was gonna ask because I'm used to my two minute rotations in the in the wind. Yeah. So what what's a normal? Like, how long are you in the wind when you get into start training? Oh man, uh, hours. Like we would be, you know, weekdays when it's kind of slower. You know, it's school's in session right now, so sometimes we'd be in there for two hours straight, and. Nobody was taking breaks or nobody was flying. We'd just keep going. And John was pretty cool. It was like, as long as you wanted to keep going, he'd keep going. What was the most challenging part of uh, of the whole experience of becoming an instructor? Um, it's pretty physically demanding. Um, what parts of you get tired? I hear that a lot, that it's physically demanding, but... Yeah, so the it starts with the walking and the stability, but uh, eventually you got to learn how to catch spots, so... Uh, spot is just anytime somebody's going to injure themselves and you have to step in and prevent it. Uh, and if that person's, they call it throwing you a spot. So there's probably a handful, I don't know exactly how many, 10 or so you have to learn, um, just common ways that people end up putting themselves in position where they're about to get hurt. So you kind of learn them one at a time. You practice them over and over again. Uh, and John will throw the spots at you, which is pretty incredible his flying ability just to put himself in these like head down positions and, and I'm sure he could fly his way out of it, but sometimes it feels like if you don't save him, like he's going to break his neck. So that's kind of stressful. I'm sure that's but, a trust that develops, right? Surely he doesn't throw you that I would the hope first so. spot. Yeah. I mean, but he's, I, he's a big man too. So yeah, you know, if he hits you over and over again at the end of the day, it's, you're pretty sore. I know for AFF instructor training, there's things I do. Um, I've actually spun out of control to the point I started graying out and I had to stop myself and it was very difficult to do so. And so for me, there's, there's no real risk of running into the ground where with John there is. Mm-hmm. But as you said, Nick, I don't throw them the shit until I know they can handle the shit. Yeah. So I, I definitely believe there is that level of trust. So like there's 10 different ways that he shows you that people can approach you. Because really you're catching them in similar ways most of the time. Yeah, I mean, it starts with the, the simple ones, just kind of like they pop up on you and then they kind of panic. Maybe they roll on their back. So they're just a ball of flesh falling and you got to catch them. Um, and then they kind of get more advanced. Uh, if they hit the wall, they, people do weird things. They kind of roll against the wall and come down in weird ways. So, uh, you have to learn all these even to be just like a level one instructor. What is the hardest catch? What would you say is the hardest, uh, catch to make? Um, maybe the 45 degree off the wall. So this is the one when John was on, when he was talking about how he punched me in the neck, it's kind of picture they're, Kind of got the arm out like Superman. So they're moving around the wall and kind of dropping, and they're about to roll over onto their so neck. So this is someone that's kind of reached over for the wall as they roll over onto their head? Uh, the well, they're kind of going around the wall. So it's like they're they're definitely moving forward, but they've hit the wall, and now they're just kind okay. of going faster and faster, and then they're kind of rotating too. And then you have to kind of get your hand under them and pull them away from the wall, and they're moving pretty quick, and you get you don't want to you know get them by the neck and snap their neck, so... It's pretty tricky. I haven't seen it in real life yet, but I'm sure it happens. Uh, I don't know how many times I've heard somebody come and tell me after a course, like, I don't, like, like after the course, I really appreciated the training, but at a point I thought, you're just an asshole. And today I realized why you did that to me. It took two years for that to happen, but I realized why it happened. Uh, Mr. P, I'm just going to take a quick break with you and a quick question with you. Um, I actually don't think you saw it on the video broadcast computer, but I actually saw something that says OBS disconnect, OBS reconnect. Yeah, I've been watching on the live stream on my computer and nothing's broken up. So. Okay, cool. As long as you feel good, then I feel good. 
I mean, you saw me looking at my phone. That's what that yeah, was about. I'm watching you point at the at me bringing up this issue on the live stream right now. So we're good. Sweet. Thank you, sir. Um, yeah, catching spots definitely got to be hard because, you know, a lot of people think the cool part is I'm just flying in, in the tunnel. What did, what did fucking John Walker say? DJ is what? He said you're an OG. OG. When you were talking about the person's name that I don't even remember about these outdoor wind tunnels. Yeah. Uh, uh, John God, something else. Yeah, yeah, John Suter. Um, and John Walker really has turned into an OG now. I mean, he's an OG of the modern era. So, John, much love to you, brother. Uh, whether you understand it or not, you are a modern era OG, no doubt about it. Nick, what do you think of that statement? Sure. So uh, when John, <laughs> sure. sure, can I get a hell yeah? <laughs> sure, sure. You're a I fucking know when, asshole. When John, John was Walker. on here, he used this platform to talk some shit. But I'm going to take the high road. <laughs> Say it was a pleasure to work with him. <laughs> um, John is definitely a, an OG, and and it really we we're assholes when we train instructors. We put you through hell. There's no doubt about it. And that's probably my favorite part about working with him was that he knew just how hard to push you, and then when you're about to break, that's when we would take a break and he'd teach me how to do something back flying or something cool that is kind of like push you right to the edge and then he could just see it in your face when you just couldn't take one more hit and then it'd do something fun and kind of bring you back were you were you close with any tunnel instructors before you started working there um i had some coaching from mark mark keller okay uh, but that was back when i lived in houston so i really hadn't seen him i guess the the question i'm leading to is uh how did your expectations about what becoming an instructor would be like how did that match up to what it was actually like it was pretty close, uh, but mainly because I had talked to some people about what it's like. Um, if you, yeah, if you just went in and flew a lot and then decided to do it and thought it was going to be all fun and games, it, it would be a rude awakening. But I think I asked enough people, so I knew what to expect. You definitely had some friends and some access to the system. Yep. So we know the hardest things really are throwing these spots. Yep, physically for sure. Um, I mean, are you talking shoulder, back, neck? What part are you really ached at the end of the day? Shoulders was the worst. Yeah. Uh, so. There's, there were times he would just go up to the ring, roll over on his back, and just drop out of the sky. And so, I know there's wind blowing, but, I mean, it feels like you're catching somebody that's falling. I need to stop for one feet. second about this word, the ring. So I, I recently got reminded by more than one WUFO that we do have a small WUFO base that listens to the show. What the fuck is the ring? Sorry. No, no, so, it's all cool. It's all good, man. I, I fall into the trap. All right, so there's the glass that goes around the tunnel. I don't know how tall it is. Probably 15 feet, 20 feet. Maybe. So let's help some people out here for one let's second. See. What's the diameter of the tunnel? It's a 14 right now? foot tunnel. 14. Okay, and if you're if you're uh, watching, you're observer, you're a spectator. At the I bottom won't. of the tunnel that we can see, there's a net, mm -hmm. and that net the air just blows through, and we're right, flying so it's above weaved the net. cables. Weave cables. Yep. That's easy. That's a perfect description because it's what it is. Learning how to change cables, part of FITP. Yeah. Le learning to fix the door. Have you done that yet? No. I don't know how many times I've seen that trick done. Um, and then uh, the flight chamber, at least at iFly tunnels, because I think a fly spot is a different design in Europe. Um, the first, how many feet did you guesstimate is glass? 15 to 20, maybe? Yeah, I want to say it's four meters, if I remember right. I think it's four meters at the Memorial Tunnel, and then it's... Another couple meters at the Woodlands Tunnel. So we're talking uh, 15 plus or minus feet right there. Sure. And at, at the top of that glass, there's a metal ring. Correct. And then above it, it's just a white wall. Yeah, I think it's fiberglass. Fiberglass. So John's flying up to 15 feet above you, mm -hmm. maybe a hair higher. Yep. And now he's bombing down on you like Rolls a kamikaze back, Balls up and just comes down. And somehow aims for you because, you know, like you're in training, so... He can't expect you to just run around and catch him perfectly. Did he ever get to the point where he's like, fuck you, now you got to catch me over here? Uh, I mean, a little bit, but... So it's crazy, too, because you got to back up because you don't want to burble him because then they speed up. 
So you kind of have to <clears> take a step back. He's coming down, and then you uh, you run in. You go for the catch. He hit me a couple times. It just knocked me right onto the ground. <laughs> and he doesn't stop there. Then he kind of you know flies around like he's a helpless student, and you got to get up and go get him. And uh, all the other instructors usually get a good laugh out of that. Oh, man. I, in AFF instructor training, one of my favorite things is when somebody catches me but's not controlling me to continue to flail like an asshole. Yep. John Walker, I love you, brother. But at that point, we're just being assholes, and it's fun. He makes some pretty funny faces. Oh, like, dude. Like he's completely helpless and and doesn't know how to, to get up. Yeah. I, I've landed with people and say, dude, the faces you make when you do retard student are awesome. I'm glad to hear John does the same thing. What were you, were you about to say? I'm surprised you used the R word so harshly right there. What, retard? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you, Nick. So uh, who, who's giving you the hardest time being the, being the new guy at iFly? Oh, man. It's probably a tie for first with everyone. Oh, good. <laughs> everyone's doing their job. That's great. What about Steven? Everyone's got their own way. Um, and I do love everybody. They're all dicks, but they're also awesome people. So it's very cool. Um, yeah, Steven's cool. He's got a pretty good uh, sarcastic sense of humor. Um, Jimmy, uh, his hazing is more anytime you're in the wind, he just comes in hot, to, like tries to wrap you up, burble you, wrap his legs around you, just mess you up. He just likes to fuck with your flying. Yeah. But it does make you a better flyer. So. Nice. Um, so you, you've mentioned, first of all, the worst part was spots. In FITP, what was your favorite part of learning? Um, kind of the progression. I mean, just getting better at it. You know, you sometimes it's hard to notice in the moment that you're getting better. But, you know, if you watch your videos, especially from like the first week to the fourth week, you can just tell how much stronger you are, uh, you know, that you're just kind of getting it. I like progressing in anything. No matter what I'm doing, I just want to get better at it. Yeah, definitely something that's – one of the other reasons I liked you at the beginning is – is we can go out and we can do a random zoo skydive, and to me that's no fun. I'd rather do a progressive learning skydive and challenge myself. Uh, something that I think not every tunnel flyer knows is in the chamber there's a, a, a TV. And what not every tunnel flyer you'll quickly learn knows is that that TV is on what kind of delay? Who can tell me that? I think it's two minutes. Sounds about right. Yeah, and that's I, that was my guess, but I don't know what it is. Did you ever, whenever you would, would get done, would you get out and just go watch video of yourself? Um, yeah, so we would more watch video on the computer afterwards. Okay. Uh, but if something either really good or really bad happened, we might step out just to watch it on the delay. Yeah. It's uh, definitely a powerful tool. I know whenever I'm training in a tunnel, learning myself, I've done uh, some camps with Tex and, and JV and Dahl. I've done some training with other buddies, man. I, I sit down immediately. I want to get straight to that TV and watch. So know when you leave the tunnel, if you go straight to the end, the, the entrance end, then, and I think it's true of all iFlies. I don't know if that's a fair statement, Nick. You might know better, Mr. P. Um, do all iFlies have that TV at the end? Not all of them, no. Okay. I, I think most of them do now, but um, and they do go down periodically. Oh, yeah, ours so, goes down sure. for about a so month. You but can't, it's back you can't up count on it to always be there. But I think, God, I guess maybe all the corporate ones I've been to probably have them. Okay. It might be part of the whole installation deal. So we, we know your favorite, or your worst part and your favorite part, but I want to go back to your worst part. Catching those spots. Ha, have you had to do some, have you had to throw a few legit spots now that you're an instructor? Yeah, uh, probably two or three that are actually worth mentioning, reviewing. Well, let's hear them. And I also learned that, uh, you know, it's great when you do catch somebody, but the true master is somebody who prevents it in the first place. So that's kind of like the... Man, thank you. The beginner versus the pro. I, I teach it in AFF instructor training. You hear instructors who have tons of oh shit stories. 
are you impressed with people who have tons of oh shit stories? Or are you impressed with people who have tons of almost oh shit stories? Yeah, probably the second one. Yeah, so I do. I love that you say that. What What's the spot situations you've had then? Um, nothing too bad. Uh, it's usually, I think they've all been, somebody hits the glass. Um, I guess it's pretty common if they kind of back up into the glass and their feet <clears throat> press up against it, they start to like pitch up. And then you can either burble them down or... Uh, you know, you can go grab their shins or in some cases they'll go all the way up and flip over on their back and then you better be there to catch them. So what's the what's a the heaviest person you caught and B, what's the highest drop you've caught besides John Walker? Um, so actually I had a friend of mine, uh, his wife came in for some coaching and she had never flown before. Uh-huh. So it's kind of a good opportunity to like get into coaching. Um, she went up probably somewhere between five and ten feet. Uh, hit the wall, flipped over, and I think I would have got her, but uh, Stephen was in the door, and he came in like Superman, and he just just grabbed her. Stephen so, Man. Yeah. Mr. He's P, a hero. Mr. P, I know you fly in the tunnel a lot. Most of your flying was with high-level flyers. Would that be a fair statement? Uh, yeah, for the most part. Have you ever flown with somebody at a lower enough level that you've actually had to throw in a spot yourself? Gosh, uh, it's not common that I would even try so and catch So you'd be somebody. catching the spot. The yes. person throwing the spot's the person. Yeah, that's the dickhead. Down. That's the dickhead instructor who's falling on you from. That's from John the way Walker. Above your head. You just called John Walker dickhead. Yeah, sure. Okay, cool. Um, so you ever <laughs> you ever catch a spot? Yeah. So for me, I, I uh, first of all, if you ever coach in the tunnel, and I've done a, a, a fair amount of coaching in the tunnel, the first thing I always want to remember is I leave a line, an access line from the instructor in the door, which would be in this case Mr. Serrera, to my student, the guy I'm coaching with, the guy I'm working with, and so my goal is always to leave that access line. If you're doing any you. coaching, oh dude, it's your house, right. and I've caught a couple people. It sucks. It fucking sucks, dude. You're getting paid to catch people, not me. I'm getting paid to coach them. Yep. So you fucking take the beating. But I, I've had that. Uh, first of all, I, I want to respect your house. If you're doing coaching in the tunnel, what's the first thing that you expect a coach like me to come in and do with an interaction to you? I uh, usually just want to know, you know, what's the level of your student, what you guys are working on. Are they learning something new or they already know how to do it and they're just practicing it? Yeah. Um, just time, number, rotations, all that. Just a conversation. Yeah. And based off the way you said thank you, leaving that access line between me and you is, or you and the student is super huge. Yep. So ultimately, the guy in the door, guy or girl in the door, is uh, responsible for the safety of the people in the tunnel. So even if it's John coaching, uh, but I'm in the door, technically the liability is on me to keep everybody safe. Yeah. I'm trying to remember his name, Dan. Uh, Dan owns a, a company named Core Chiropractic. No, that's my brother-in-law. Uh, Titan Chiropractic in in uh, in Colorado. He used to coach uh, Team Future. Um, do you know who I'm talking about, Dan? 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 Sorry, I wasn't listening. I was responding to a Facebook message. Super old school. Uh, I remember Team Future. Yeah, but I don't know who who coached him. Dan. Uh, anyways, when I, before I started coaching in the tunnel, I, uh, he actually trained me in Dallas to do AFF instructor coaching in the tunnel. And one of the first things he talked to me about and trained me to do is constantly be conscious of giving you the respect and be the work. So I've worked with some new jumpers where they actually throw me, they throw me a spot. Did I do that right? Yeah. They throw me a spot and it's in front of me. I have to catch it. I don't have to catch it, but I mean, it's right there. It's not going to work any other way. Most coaches will catch the student. Yeah. Mainly because they're closer. And in my case, most of them are probably actually are a lot more skilled than I am anyways. So you're not really selling your uh, coaching career right now. Yeah, right. I mean, we're, we're about to pimp you as a coach here in the next section. So uh, come on, give some self-love. Um, it just takes time. 
man, it, it's not it's not an exciting experience. There's a reason I leave you access. There's a reason I always create a line that you can catch them at. Yeah, uh, that's actually one of the last uh, parts of FITP too is uh, how to deal with skydivers or experience flyers. <laughs> how to deal with skydivers? Yeah, yeah, we love them. I don't believe that. Has, have you, they, uh, have there's you a lot of role playing, like John and uh, I think Stephen were in for me, and just just being dicks. Have I you mean, been in the door for like a proper huck jam yet with skydivers? Uh, probably not a huck jam, but I've been there um, when there's like eight people flying head down, and that is some scary shit. A lot of our listeners don't even know what a huck jam is. So, oh, yeah. a huck jam is when you and ten of your buddies, all who probably aren't super current in the tunnel but they're skydivers so they're the shit obviously they all go to the tunnel together no plan haven't walked anything everyone's just gonna jump in whenever they want and you're pretty guaranteed to see some people doing some shit that's well outside of their uh, range of abilities so every time i hear the word hug jam i think something like cool is about to happen i could just replace zulu Zoo- yeah hug- it's the same yeah. thing not not always. I mean, I've absolutely been part of some huck jams that were really fun with people that are all on a good level, all doing sure. things that uh, that are safe for that skill level. But just you know, just like anything else, when you're around a bunch of people who are better than you at something, it kind of makes you feel like you're you might have that thing, so you're just gonna go do it. It's just not how the wind works. Yeah, tunnel's yeah. not a good place for that. So you, and then, you, oh my god, it's so fun when you see somebody ping ponging around, and there are ten other people in the wind tunnel. And it's like when you're in the when you're in the tunnel and there's someone else doing that. Oh man, it's so great to have that front row seat. <laughs> when you're the one who's ping ponging around, it's less fun. Still enjoyable. So you guys have a whole section based off of how to deal with skydivers. Pretty much. I mean, you gotta, you know, like you don't want people blocking the door, so you're kind of supposed to instruct them to stay away from the door. Make sure you have access to both. Um, one of the drills is that they'll both throw you a spot. And like in a split second, you have to decide which one you're going to go get. Um, they'll try to just all bum rush the door and go in together. And you're supposed to kind of crowd control a little bit. So, um, I'm sorry. I'm looking up a name as you talk right now. I really want to remember this guy's uh, name properly, Dan, uh, who used to be a tunnel instructor. Um, when I was training with him, he was training me how to do AFF instructor coaching in the tunnel. One of the things that amazed and was fun for me is there was a guy there as a skydiver like, I got 100 skydives. I know what I'm doing. And the tunnel instructors are like, hey, man, when you go to leave the tunnel, you need to do this. Oh, no, 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 no. I got this. I got this. And I actually watched this guy outside the tube argue with instructors there. So at some point, I watched the instructor on the guy's last set, three, four rotations total. When the light would start flashing, the instructor would just grab him by the, uh, you know, uh, you know the upper grippers, but the back grippers. If, sure. you're, if you're a skydiver, tunnel flyer, uh, tunnel suits have grippers on the basically shoulder blades. Is that a fair place to say? Yep, and that show, and that's so the tunnel instructor standing there can control him. The tunnel instructor would grab that hundred jump wonder by the shoulder blade gripper, drag him back the opposite wall of the door, and stand him up right there, and then just point at the door. And this motherfucker would walk to the door, like everybody would automatically walk to the door, which is how. Oh, lean forward and get blown backwards. I would watch him for 10, 15, 20 seconds walking through a fucking (laughs) windstorm. Do you guys actually train that, that? Do you guys talk about that idea? About walking or about... Fucking with skydivers. Oh. No, I mean, it comes pretty naturally. <laughs> now, almost all the skydivers are very cool, especially around here because Spaceland is just such a big drop zone. But 
I mean, there's just people out there that, yeah, yeah. are a little dangerous. Have, have you had any good interactions, any really good stories? Maybe someone's going to remain nameless. Any shithead skydivers coming there thinking they're Ooh. awesome? Um, <laughs> so this wasn't my interaction, but... Uh, okay, so you watched a guy do this thing. Watched a guy, uh, no idea how many jumps he had. I'm guessing under 25. Uh, tried to throw a backflip. Oh, yes, I've seen this video. Unexpected yeah. random. It's scary, man. Describe this to me. I hope I'm allowed to. Uh, he just well, it was intentional on this person's part, right? Yeah, I guess and he thought because he did it on, what is it, dive flow five or six, eight, eight that uh, it'd be the same in the tunnel. And just probably up near the ring, tried to hook yes. a backflip. And it just, I mean, went right down to the net. I don't know how he didn't break his neck. So ended up head down on the net, at the net. Kind of bounced off his upper back. <laughs> Hang on, sorry. John Walker is helping you out. Dan Perry. Dan Perry. Thank you, John Walker. Dan Perry, I love that but guy. But the He's comment awesome. right before that from John is get naked together. I don't know what that's in reference to. Maybe a suggestion for right now, if you guys want to. So maybe your <laughs> FITP, John we need here? to know more stuff about John? your FITP. Get naked together. <laughs> What's going on here? That's the last part of FITP. But I think John just added that part. I don't think it's in the curriculum. <laughs> but you cooperated? Yeah, and and Rory too, who uh, measured me for my suit. There's a lot of that going on. Yeah, he seems like a handsy fella. <laughs> Have you ever seen a naked skydive in person? No, dude. Uh, the human body does amazing things. In I've seen fall. some videos. Yeah, I, I shot video for a. Uh, there was a four way team years ago called Fast Track. Uh, Fast Tracks is uh, they they got a bronze medal in open four way. So I uh, top level flyers, third best in the nation that year. The next year, their last training jump, a thousand training jumps that year. Hey, guys, let's do a naked four-way. Let's go have fun. The video guy goes, well, then I have to be naked too. So the team owner goes, hey, guys, we need somebody to come shoot this naked video of us. Um, will anybody do it? And none of the video guys will do it. Dude, Fast Tracks that year gave me something like 100 free skydives. I'm like, bro, you gave me 100 free skydives. I'll go shoot a fucking video for free of you. But I'm wearing a jumpsuit because, I mean, I just, I'm already embarrassed enough as it is. Yeah, yeah, wear a jumpsuit. Number one, these boys flailed like bitches they're so used to drag and booties and fly they couldn't fly for shit so bad that halfway through the skydive it was four different like a two-way and three three or four solos out there they couldn't get together one of the dudes kb is his nickname billy andrews decides fuck it i'm gonna flip onto my head that boy flips onto his head fucking facing straight at me so now i'm just staring at his junk and his dick starts swinging like a helicopter are you serious i'm desperate. man i've been working on that move in the mirror for years <laughs> dude it's the perfect helicopter we land i immediately play the video back in the hangar because every there's no wuffos here there's no students so i'm like fuck it i'm gonna play this video back the first thing he says all oh, the wind make it longer yeah <laughs> What ethnicity is this person? <laughs> white boy. White as they oh, get. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. A little Sound short. A little white Asian boy. the way it came out. Oh here. no, man, no. But it, pretty fun. So, uh, are you familiar with the Neo Sport that a lot of people have been wearing in the <laughs> tunnel? Yeah, the Neo Sport is the cheap man's version of a flex. Yep, correct. It's like thirty bucks on Amazon. Um, they uh, they'll just rip without warning. <laughs> yeah. So there have been some incidents, uh, people being exposed, and usually not even realizing it. <laughs> Are you telling me someone's had dick out in the tunnel and not known about it? thinking of a lady. Uh, I don't want to embarrass anyone. I'm not that's, even positive who it was. That's but, uh, awesome. Yeah, in front for, of a, a STEM the, class of 15-year-old boys. Oh, man. So what part of her was exposed? 
Uh, take a guess. Snatch. <laughs> Boobs. Jesus Christ. <laughs> what? So aggressive with the snatch. Yeah, there, there were some titties out. <laughs> Have you met me before in my verbiage? Yeah, I mean, it's just it just goes up so fast. The pay, it's like we're having a normal conversation. <laughs> All of a sudden, you're shouting snatch. Snatch. All right. So boobs. So this yep. might be the first boobs some of these boys have ever seen. Yeah. And there's like a hundred of them. Man, it's like God answered all their prayers in that moment. That's beautiful. Man, this stupid wind tunnel trip. We got to go watch this. Man, they're talking about stupid balls and water flowing in the tunnel. Boobs. <laughs> all right. Well, let's move all away right. from this. This is weird. All right. So. FITP. <laughs> How how uh, so? You're an instructor now. Yeah, how level many, one. How many days a week are you working? Uh, five. Five usually. days, forty hours. Forty hours. All right. How how much time do you get to fly in a normal week? Um, it varies. Uh, weekends are usually pretty limited. Uh, it's more of a full day. You're just kind of going through your shift rotations. You you, you might get to do a demo here and there. Yeah, uh, the demo. It's my least favorite part. Because <laughs> everybody's watching, judging. Yeah, Look I the mean, fucking new guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sick back flying, bro. Have you? Ever, so first of all, those who listen who don't know a demo. So I, we've got a, a thirty minute, a fifteen thirty minute tunnel session going on. Yep. I've got a bunch of new flyers. When they're flying all these noobs. Yep. At the very end of their session, you pull out a little drawstring saying, "You guys can't pass this line anymore." Yep. And then watch me fly. Watch me fly. So it's really the the instructor showing these new jumpers how, what you can learn to do, and you're almost enticing them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Have you ever stood there and watched what some of the best reactions are? Uh, they love when you just go up and down, dude. It's what, fucking bullshit. If you blast off to the top, they what, lose their shit. You and what you and I can do, they're going to be excited about. What Nick can do, and Nick, uh, whether you care to say it or not, you can shred. You're a damn good flyer. I'll, I'll say that I'm okay. Uh, compared to Nick Serrera and myself, you're a great flyer. Yeah. So what Nick can do, we'd be impressed as fuck by, mm-hmm. and the Waffles would be like. That dude's lame. He didn't even go up and down. Yeah. What a pussy. Man, this dude went all the way up, all the way down, and then he ran circles around the wall, and then yep. he jumped on it like he was Spider-Man. Or if you go up to the top and then you stay up there for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yanks Freaks everybody out of their seat, man. So why are you so, like, least favorite part, man? You, you Being lame is, this is a, the cool time to be lame. Yeah, you're the layman's hero, man. <laughs> It's the worst part because everyone else in the like the people that work there are all watching you, and like that's who you want to impress. Psh, they don't know anything. Come on. What the other instructors? Yeah. I guess, man. I what? mean, if they weren't cool flyers, I mean, come on. How much would they? I mean, everybody matter? goes through it when they're new, but yeah, it's just really. What's John Walker? No, come on, give you're, me a break. You're still the newest guy, though. Yeah. Uh, well, Logan just graduated. Oh, Logan. Yeah. Yeah. Logan Snotty. Right, How's yeah. he doing? Good. Yeah, he just yeah. got signed off uh, Wednesday. So yesterday. are you turning all the attention out of that fucking new guy? Uh, yeah, his demos are probably already better than mine, though. <laughs> <laughs> He's just picking it up quick. He's definitely a natural flyer, a little bit to his uh, detriment. <laughs> <laughs> I love Logan. He's a good kid. But it seems the faster your skill set f- grows, the faster your confidence grows. Is that is that a nice way to say that? And then you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. Chickity check yourself. Speaking of, yeah, I wrecked myself in the demo last night for the first time. <laughs> what happened? I knew it was going to happen. Uh, so when you're a new instructor, you can't do high flights, right? Yeah. That's, that's like a six-month ordeal. You got to go through more training. You got to get signed off. So uh, somebody else has to come in and do them. Um, and I usually invite that person in to do the demo with me because... 
even if we're doing lame stuff, I just feel like it's a lot more fun if somebody else is in there with you. Somebody I'm, else I'm is having more fun. I'm smiling more. So, you know, maybe you're just customers. trying to take the attention off you. Is that that's <laughs> how it's going? All right, I got you. pretty transparent? But uh, so Rory and I are in there a lot together. Um, we've done some pretty cool stuff. Like he'll, uh, you know, he'll be kind of carving around me on his head. We've done like the double Spock and I'm usually knee flying for that. And uh, yeah, last night just, just ate shit. Just bellied out, hit the wall so hard. It was pretty embarrassing. How hard? I mean, like, how bad was it? Uh, I think I'm okay. I but it was kind of scary. Did you see some stars? Mm, no, uh, but you, it was the second it right. second one this week that kind of <laughs> had me scared. So I uh, I hit the wall hard enough and uh, spin. So it, when I go in, I spin out of control, act like a. Really oh, I ping ponged around. Yeah. After that, I spun in the wall hard enough one night that I'm positive I at least fractured, if not broke my hand. I never went to the doctor, but I couldn't crack move my knuckles for months. How bad was that hit last night? Uh, I mean, I've I've taken worse. Okay, doing other things, but it really really hurt the ego. That's for sure. Yeah. Have you ever creamed the wall, Nick? Oh fuck yeah, not very long ago. I was following Boo actually. I I've been working almost only on slow speed stuff. Actually, being coached by John, and I was there a little bit early, and Boo was like, "Hey, come fly with me." So I threw on my stuff and and jumped in, and he was just flying. Um, flying some lines and i was following him and he came through the bottom like with through a layout but went through his back and did like a a 180 and a front flip to a something else and i followed him through it once and i went the wrong direction coming out of it okay and he knew that i went the wrong direction he's like hey let's do it again and so I watched him a lot more closely the second time, and I was paying attention to what direction he was leaving. And this is at the same time yeah. that I'm doing a front layout at the bottom of the tunnel, and I'm looking at him to, tr- to think, what direction did he just go? And just held that position and whap, like the full, all, my, the entire backside of my body, my from my heels to my head, just flat slammed into the <laughs> to the wall right above the glass. Just pancaked right yep. against that motherfucker. Yep. S- saw stars, rung my bell real good. Man, it, it makes me feel good um, t- to know my <laughs> homies and, and are all in there getting fucked you up. You can agree to this statement. I look up to your flying ability. Okay. I mean, you could say that's a fair statement. You've seen me fly. So it's fair that I look up to that part of your fly. I do, there's other things I can fly differently than you, but, but as far as that kind of flying, you smoke me. Knowing that a guy that I look up to can cream the wall still, thank you. If you're not hitting that wall every once in a while, you're not trying enough new stuff. That's what I think. <clears throat> kind of like if you're not getting wet, you're not uh, you're not swooping the pond. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, Dude, if you're gonna get good at swooping the pond, you are gonna go in that motherfucker. Ain't a few that times. right, Glenn? Did you see that photo, of Glenn? Awesome. Did you see the video? Yeah, I did. Oh, dude, it's so good. I'm gonna share it in the. Yeah. Did <laughs> you see what we're talking about? I've not seen this, dude. This. Hang on. Let me let me see if I can pull it up so we can watch it on. Uh, <laughs> On screen. So Glenn Downing, one of the full-time instructors at Spaceland, is swooping the pond. And all I know is I'm in Manifest, and I see this dude out there, like, lifting up his canopy, pouring water out of the cells. At first, it's pouring water. Eventually, it turns into just draining water. And he's covered head to toe, like, soaking fucking wet. I'm like, oh. Well, knowing Glenn, he just didn't get out of the pond. He's good enough to swoop the pond. He probably just didn't go far enough, and he crashed in. I walk out there like, yeah, so he just didn't get out. Oh, no, it was a spectacular fucking crash. And said and done, he's swooping across the pond, needed to give a little bit more rear riser input. So it wasn't bad. Not only did he not give enough input, he stuck his leg in too deep. So now the pond grabs his leg, his right leg. And as the pond grabs his right leg, A, it sucks him in. 
Embiid unloads the right side of his canopy. Because it unloads the right side of his canopy, his canopy massively turns left. When I say massively turn left, <laughs> he's at this orientation. And if you're only listening to this, my left hand is a canopy, and it's vertical. My right hand at his body is horizontal. So he's straight up sideways in the sky across the pond. But because his foot got sucked in the water, he was flipped backwards. So now he's doing what we call a... All right, hang on. I got it loaded up. If anyone's watching Facebook <laughs> yeah. Live and you haven't seen this, I'm so happy to tell Glenn tomorrow that we got to watch this on the show. <laughs> watch his video. Hang on. Oh, I got to make sure that we have... Uh, a little audio? Audio, too, because Nick, Brockton's, get up close and watch it if you need to, reaction is, this is, epic. is equally good. Like, actually stand over here and look at our Nick's, Nick's uh, left monitor. Play it again on that next uh, left okay. monitor, Mr. P. Okay, hang on. Replay. Replay. We need more volume. Drags a foot, gets tossed oh. sideways, and crashes. You all right, bro? Ooh. You okay? Yeah. Ooh. Oh. oh, no. I hit pretty hard. Yeah, you did. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh, man. What's that? My life just flashed before my eyes. Uh, Brockton. Oh, you all right? Brockton's oh, well, filming that. Woo. You know Brockton. You work with Brockton. That second hit, bro. That second yeah, yeah, hit looked gnarly. Yeah. Holy shit. Hell. You okay? Yeah. Nice, bro. <laughs> dude, I love Brogdon so much. Meaty, meaty is a solid dude, man. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, dude, the, the best part, really, and I got to give uh, Glenn super, super mad credit because, you know, it wasn't as bad as I think the accident looked. But realistically, what saved it is he flew it all the way through. To dude, he did great. I mean, anyone, anyone who swooped the pond... Uh, to me, I think that there are two elements of it. I think there's a visually confusing element of yeah. it just looks very different to be over the water, and it's really hard to pick that that spot on the ground that you would just normally be looking at. It's really hard to just pick that spot because the water looks so different. And the water is a lot cooler than the ground. And so there's this element of not necessarily that it's sink, but it's just a lack of the warm air that's coming up off the ground that would give you a little bit of lift. I think you just make your way into the water a lot easier. And... Uh, I haven't been that low on the ground, uh, on the pond, but I've definitely touched the pond a little harder than I intended to. I think it's an uh, easy thing to do, especially if you're not super current over there. <clears throat> and I have huge respect for anybody that fucks up and posts it with, not even necessarily with pride, but just posts it to be like, hey, yeah, look, look, we all do it. Yeah. Like th someone who makes that same mistake and says, hey, can you do me a favor and not, never post that video? It's like, no, that's not how we learn. That's no. not the, the betterment of everybody. No, so I love that he owned it. I love that Brockton's reaction is so good. The quality of the footage is great. And, uh, yeah, it's awesome. It's super, super it, funny. It's definitely epic, man. And I'm glad that he's okay, obviously. Yeah. And I, Glenn definitely owned it, man. It, it's it, A, don't swoop the pond until you get some training, some coaching, or some advice. Really, coaching is the best way. There, as Nick said, there are other uh, uh, components of swooping the pond that you don't realize. Uh, B, when you make a mistake, don't hide it from your friends. Because one of the things is Glenn and I had a good conversation, or, or a very short conversation, but with Glenn, they're quick and they're easy. And he's able to learn from it. He's able to understand, like, man, I flew it out. And, and that's the difference between a good canopy pilot and a bad canopy pilot. Are you flying it out through the end? And I don't mean a swooper. Like, even a guy at your level, uh, Mr. Serrera, you're not a swooper yet. No, and every time I think I want to do it, I see a video like that. <clears throat> Like, why the fuck would I do that? <laughs> oh, it's so fun when it works, man. I'm sure it is. It's so crazy. It cool. looks so fun. Especially dragging your feet along that water. It's like, Jesus Christ, I ain't got shit on me. <laughs> and then you make it out on the other side. But everybody's great. got a story about crashing. It's just yeah. a matter of how bad. 
Yeah. It, it realistically, uh, they used to say it all the time about swooping, and I don't hear it often enough today. Uh, but I still think it's true. If you're going to learn to swoop, you're going to get hurt at some point. The question is, how, how severe is the injury going to be? And in many cases, it's just broken bones. And in many cases, I think today we teach and train much better than we used to. And because of that, you know, maybe the injury is a twisted ankle, a pulled hammy, you know, something, something a little bit more minor. But, man, if you're going to swoop, be ready to get hurt. You're, you're cruising around the, the ground, man. You know, these guys pulling big turns are cruising across the ground at 70, 80 miles an hour. Um, there have been people clocked at 90-plus miles an hour in these swoops, man. I don't care how slow you're going down. Go ahead and skip across the ground at 90 miles an hour. Have you had a bad hit, Nick? Uh, not really bad. Not uh, I, I tore some ligaments in my foot once, but that was more... Uh, this is back home in Utah where I learned the grass doesn't grow like it does here. It's The desert is super dry, so they got to water the grass. Very small piece of grass for our landing area. Mo- there's a big pea pit and then a small piece of grass on the other side. And so to water the grass, they have sprinklers. The sprinklers live in the ground, and they live in these little holes in the ground. They're recessed, and my foot caught the inside of that hole as I was dragging my feet, as I like to do. And uh, I kept going, and my foot didn't. So that that, that sucked. There was a, a low turn that absolutely should have been me smacking the ground that just I stabbed out in just the, the perfect fraction of a second to just get... Uh, the landing area back home, that's a lot of weeds, a lot of tall, you know, it's not grass, but lots of tall, deserty little plants. And I scrub. had, <clears throat> yeah, scrub. And I had welts on my legs from how hard these tall weeds had whacked me in the legs. And uh, a good buddy who taught me a lot of what I know about skydiving, he said, you know, watching you come in, I didn't, I was plan, or he was trying to make the decision of whether he was going to run to me or run inside to call the ambulance. Oh, damn. And uh, that's how low I was. And I stabbed out just in time. Just in time for it to get super real. You know, it was, it was I felt like it was a, a lesson I would have learned had I gotten hurt, but was still fortunate enough to have, have stabbed out at just the right moment that I got to see how real it was and mm-hmm. the potential to really fuck it up, but uh, got to walk away just fine. I, uh, I am very unfortunate. I actually have three vertebrae in my back that are fused together as one. And usually fused vertebrae are the result of a surgery, right? No, mine are the result of injury, and my injury was a swooping accident. Um, so I'm not going to ask you, Mr. P. I want to ask you, Mr. Serrera, because you kind of have the naive point of view now. Okay. Before I go over this question, I want to ask you, do you think you're going to swoop one day? Someday. I like the someday answer, and I'm okay with that. <clears throat> so trust your rears. What's that mean? Uh, that's said sarcastically, right? Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Keep going. Uh, basically, I don't know, you start with the rears to plane out, right? I don't know, is it... Okay, no, you, so you're in the right point. Versus going toggles, is it... Yeah. You get a longer swoop, or it's just cooler, or... So, really, what it is, is using our rear <laughs> I would say it's both. Yeah, it's cooler. So, when you see people swooping, when you see uh, Mr. P over here swooping, when you see Glenn crashing in the pond, uh, when you see me swooping... <laughs> I'm sure he loves that. <laughs> what that was doing? fucking a little rude, but I liked it. <laughs> oh, dude. A when you see Nick swooping or Glenn <laughs> crashing into the pond, you're going to notice that, that they haven't grabbed those yonkles yet. <laughs> yeah. So, we're using our rears to plane... We're using our rears through the plane out... And really, the rears help maintain or manage pitch control without adding as much drag. Toggles add drag. So we're getting more efficiency. We're getting more distance. We're getting more speed. And at some point, transferring to your toggles continues the efficiency. So there is is a fine-tune between what's what's good and what's bad. And a lot of new swoopers want to use their rears right away because, Mr. P., you said 
there is is a balance between it's cool and it's good. Excuse me. And so these new jumpers say, oh, I'm going to use my rears. I'm going to use my rears because that's what all the cool kids do. So one of my jobs is canopy coaching. I do some low-level intermediate canopy coaching, and I really enjoy helping people solve their problems. I do high-speed swoop coaching as well, and it's fun to watch Ricky Bobby go fast. Frank Chance is probably my favorite pet project as of late. I've done a lot of coaching with Frank Chance, and he's done really, really well for himself. Um, but one of the things I teach new jumpers, let's use our toggles. Because do rears save your life or do toggles save your life? Toggles. Do rears enhance your performance or do toggles enhance your performance? Rears. Rears. So if you're not good at swooping, why the fuck are you trying to enhance your performance? You're, you, you put turbo on a VW bug and you still have a VW bug, bro. Give me a break. Do you remember the first time you landed on just your rear risers? I don't. Dude, I still haven't done that. I remember that time frame, but I don't remember the first time itself. I only remember mine because I fully collapsed my canopy and it hit the <laughs> ground behind me at the same time as I was sliding out in front of it. I uh, I think I got lucky. I don't think that was my experience, and I learned on a stiletto, which was much easier to stall those out on their rears. Mm -hmm. So if you ever hear us talk about uh, trust your rears, it's Yeah, that's sarcastic. a joke. Yeah, we're not being serious. So here's the logic to it. I was at the World Freefall Convention. One of my rules on swooping is if it's turbulent, I don't turn my canopy. I have a more stabilized front approach. Because if I turn my canopy and my canopy's aimed nose to the ground and that rotor hits the nose of my canopy while it's only pointing straight down, it's going to fold the nose under and collapse my wing. That's always been my logic. I'm with the World Freefall Convention. Every single pilot has shut their plane down except for one. And this one pilot says, I can beat the storm coming. Um, super good guy, super good pilot. I'm not going to name the plane or the pilot just because I have a lot of respect for him. But he gets up super, super fast and drops us. And we're the only load left. And I come in and I swoop and I do my turn. And in the middle of my turn, I feel what feels like my canopy buckling or collapsing. I'm not sure what it is. A week later, a homie sees me and he goes, dude, what's happening? Because my back's fucked up. Hey, dude, uh, man, no, I was at the convention and my canopy, I think, collapsed in a turn. Dude, when was it? It was on this day, this weather hold out of this dude's plane. Dude, you're jumping a purple and green stiletto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, your canopy fucking balled up. My canopy straight up completely balled up. It wasn't just my imagination. I yanked and yanked on my rears to get out of that dive. And guess what happened? I hit the like. I yanked and yanked on my rears. I got vertical and just crushed my spine to the ground. Compressed my vertebrae, fractured my vertebrae. I don't know if you know Doc Bob from DeGueo. But uh, uh, not well. Yeah, I, I know you're talking. But you about. know the fell. Yep. First time I met him was at the World Freefall Convention because he was my first responder to be to make sure I was alive. He was the doctor for the World Freefall Convention, and now I have three. I had three compression fractures, and those vertebrae are fused together because I trusted my rears. When was this? Uh, two thousand and uh, when did Val and I start dating? Three, two thousand and three. So are newer uh, canopies less prone to that, or is that just? Oh no, that could happen to any of them. Okay. It can definitely happen to any of them. Um, turbulence is turbulence. There's not much we can do. Uh, You're on a stiletto, though, right? I was on a stiletto 107 that do, day. Do you feel like a cross brace wing may have had a little more rigidity and uh, maybe not folded up? Not for that space and not for that maneuver. So I don't know if you realize as this, but like if I'm looking at a velocity, mm -hmm. if I'm at the center cell and I go about a third of the way back on the canopy and I just put a little pressure oh, at yeah, that point, it, right down. it folds it the fuck up. Whereas stiletto, you can put a lot more pressure there. I, I know this mainly through, I've done some crew. I think you know those pictures up there. Yep. That is a Buddy and I doing uh, two stacks and turning 90 degree turn on the final doing crew. 
So we actually, no thanks. So we swooped two stacks. It's a lot of fun. Um, so uh, we were told and warned by some guys. Scott Roberts, who owns Fluid Wings, was one of the guys who warned us that this is this is a pressure point. So I actually feel like with my wing being vertical and the rotor hitting the top of my wing, the cross brace might be more susceptible to a collapse. I don't know the truth of that with a Valkyrie, but I do know with the velocity, it is a lot more violent. So um, had I used my toggles, I probably would have been out of it better. So trust your rears is just a, just, just, it's a fucking sarcastic statement. Okay. Yeah, I, th- I think it's funny because it's really the opposite of what you should do. Any <laughs> experienced canopy pilot who's low, anybody's going to, you're going to bail to your toggles. It's an instinctive thing. If I'm too low, I, I see the ground coming faster than I that then this is going to work out well for and you you just go to your toggles and it it'll save you. I mean, unless you're super super low, then nothing's going to save you, but your toggles are a lot more likely to pull you out of a a turn than your than your rear's will. Cool. Yeah. Absolutely. So I want to get a little bit back to you, but before I get back to you, I just want to kind of plug next week. Mr. P, do you know what we're doing next week? I will be here on Thursday for Mr. J. Stokes to talk about the uh, world record uh, most skydives in a day. What's the most jumps you've made in a day, Mr. Serrera? I think 12. What's the most jumps Mr. Stokes has made in a day? 700 some? 640. The last record attempt, I was actually on the last record attempt. Our goal was 700. We got shut down by weather. It's a whole other conversation you'll hear us have. What the fuck does it take to get 640 skydives in a day? What's the manpower? What's the crew? What's the aircraft capacity? What's the rig capacity? What's he How many doing? is that like every minute? Two minutes. Every two minutes. Just over jump. two minutes, yeah. Um, Valerie on the last attempt was part of the record How many planes? crew. Um, we, uh, uh, in the previous attempts, he would use one plane, uh, or excuse me, uh, two or three planes, but one plane at a time. So he would jump from the plane, land and meet the plane, get, and it was one plane. The last record attempt, we used two planes at a time. So, would he I, gear up in the plane? No, he would uh, land and get geared up. Like basically, he would land and he had quick ejectors to just fo- make everything fall off. Okay. And then he would, as he would do that, two people would be holding on to the harness. So he's running away. There's pictures of of Jay running away from his rig while two people are holding the harness and the canopy's still flying above their head. And then he runs up to two guy to two guys who have a rig, and he slides in, and they help put the leg straps on while he's buckling the chest strap. And then he gets in the plane with a ladder or a step stool, and somebody's help throwing him in the plane while the safety officer jumps over the top of him and just locks him in with a carabiner to the plane for the seatbelt. So, how many malfunctions? Um, none. Over, uh, I don't know if it's five or six attempts. Wow. Several. I mean, dude, this guy at this point, we're we're gonna find out the numbers next week, but. You but know, hold, is he gonna do? Is he gonna try seven hundred again? Is he gonna try and get there? I think he's done. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to present some math here, just for the sake of interest. Do you know how many minutes are in a day? Fourteen forty. Yeah, fourteen hundred and forty. I just saw your calculator. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but still, to try and do seven hundred skydives, yeah, you're every two point zero five minutes, you're jumping out of an airplane. Yeah. For the whole day, though. All day. Twenty four hours nonstop. You pee in the plane. Like, straight up, in the plane, we had different bottles of fluids for him to drink, and it depends on what <laughs> rotation it was on what fluid we give him. And one of the bottles was a pee bottle. Let's not hand him the wrong bottle. So on the ride to altitude, which you got to imagine, two minutes for each jump. So the ride to altitude is a minute Where's to he a minute and a half. Yeah, you start gearing 2, up. 2,100 feet. So, Do you need a waiver for that? Or uh, that? Yes. Okay. Well, the first five, the, I don't know if it's five or six. So the first attempts, no waiver because 2,000 was pull altitude. The last attempt, we had a 2.5 uh, pull altitude for a BSR, basic safety requirement for our, our non-skydiving friends. 
And so uh, we had to, he had to get a waiver to pull at 2000 So we leave at 2-1. So one second off the plane, he pulls, and he's pulling by two grand. And, uh, dude, I mean, he, he's got a minute to whip out his dick, piss in the bottle, put it back. By the way, I was not on the piss plane, so I was happy with that. <laughs> I'm Asian. He's going to make me feel bad. No, that's super cool, though. I'm super excited to have that conversation and, and hear him talk about yeah. it. Yeah, and I, and I will throw— Next week, next Thursday. I'll throw one other bit of love out to Jay Stokes. We all have mentors. We all have heroes. We have all, all have idols. Jay Stokes was involved in every single instructor rating I own or hold. Jay Stokes was involved in every single examiner rating I hold. Jay and I worked together for four years, and Jay Stokes is a mentor to me, a hero to me. I idolize this man. Um, I look up to this man, and, and Jay really, I, I owe a huge thanks of what the rating center is based off the example he set before me. So he means so much more to me than this, than this podcast and record attempt that we'll talk about. So absolutely a phenomenal human being. So join us next week. Check out Mr. Stokes. One other thing I told you, who's one of those other guests we're about to book? I have no idea who you're talking about. I got three initials for you. Oh, yeah, I know who you're talking about now. Jason David Frank, the Green Power Ranger. JDF. JDF yep. is known of this podcast since we started. Talked to me about being on the show. And yesterday he was on the DZ. Bro, you still running the podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, I want to come do it. Let's set it up. He sent me his work schedule for the next three months. So we actually have some dates that we're discussing. Um, in the next couple of days, I know tonight you need to roll quick. Uh, we'll sit down and compare our schedules to his schedule and then find out what works because you have I know you can't make every show, but you, I, I, I need uh, you Yeah, I'm going to make that show, yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. So uh, join us, check that out. So now you're a tunnel instructor, Mr. Serrera. That's right. Yeah. Man, I know everything. <laughs> man, I'm, I'm going to be a tunnel instructor. I'm going to be a skydiving instructor. I get to skydive all the time. I get to be a tunnel flyer all the time, and I'm going to make a lot of money. Uh, you get to fly <laughs> all the time. <laughs> and really, do you get to fly all the time? Uh, you get to fly a lot. Yeah. You definitely do. Yeah. That part of the job is real. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's a dependent statement because I think there's times of the year that that's Yeah, not I don't true. know what it's going to be like in the summer when school's out. Yeah. But. Mr. P, I need your help on this one because when Memorial first opened up in the summer, there were zero open times. It was nonstop booked. How summers look now at Memorial? Uh, yeah, it's, it's hard for me to say. Uh, when, when a new tunnel opens up, usually, I mean, when Memorial opened up, every minute of the day was booked, four months. And, uh, it was really, really hard to get in there, especially if you had a standby account. It was, it was impossible. And now I think, like, if we're going to go to the tunnel on, like, a Tuesday afternoon, it's pretty easy to get time. Like, weekday sure. afternoons, it's, it's pretty open. But uh, when school gets out, I bet it's going to be a little harder. But uh, I, I bet there's still going to be some time there. Like, uh, if, again, the newer tunnels, when they first open up and you're still hitting that big wave of first-time flyers in a new area, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be rough. But I think an established tunnel, anything that's beyond two years, I, I think you're you're still going to find some time. So it's tamed down quite a bit. I mean, definitely a lot from from where it was when it opened. But uh, and I even mean, if it's pretty crowded, I mean, just to find ten minutes of open time, it's not that hard. Yeah. So one of the reasons I slowed down at going to the tunnel was, I mean, I you couldn't get time like Mr. P just mentioned. So today, I, I know you didn't work today, but on an average work day, what's the schedule like? Uh, you mean for like fun flying or just the just a regular in shift? general? Yeah. Um, if if we're fully booked, you're probably looking at taking three classes, uh, maybe four. If you're that one kind of time slot where it works out that way. So That's four it. classes. What's a full class? Uh, so like twelve flyers. Everybody's doing two minutes. Um, that'd be you know full class. Usually uh, the full thirty minute block, even if you have fewer people. But if all the time's booked, 
So uh, <clears throat> there's kind of four uh, roles, I guess. You're um, you're driving first, uh, then you take the class, and you're gearing up, then you're in the wind, and then you've got the D gear. So it's kind of every half hour you're cycling through one of those. So typically there's four instructors on at a time? Yeah. Um, and it's kind of staffed based on you know our needs too if it's a lot of private coaching you know weekday night you can get by with three but four is probably preferred and then on the weekends we might have a driver or even a fifth instructor okay i don't know if you know this but uh tunnel instructors are among the most dramatic people that you'll know i thought it was skydiving instructors it's both it's about the same it's about the same world so but uh they talk about being on a three-man three-man rotation it's really it is it's not ideal. It's not ideal. It does get really tired for these guys. So when they have, you know, the work that's usually spread across four people, so you're not crazy rushed and crazy pressed, but when they have a three man rotation, you just don't get very much time. I mean, it's it's the the equivalent of of turning, you know, 10 minute loads at, at the drop zone. Of it's like, yeah, it's possible if everyone's really pushing it and nothing goes wrong. It's almost not even possible uh Unless it's just like coaching blocks. Like if it was, if it was all first timers, like if it was a Saturday, I don't think you could do it. Especially with somebody like me who can't do their own high flights. So that means an instructor has to come in and do them for me. Like you just need more bodies in that. New guy. Yeah. Damn new guys. Uh, I kind of was going in a direction with that conversation, but you, you, you brought me back to something. High flights. What the, what the hell is high flights and why can't you do them? So the high flight is uh, it's kind of like our cherry on top for the first timers. Um, crank the wind speed up. Instructor grabs a hold of you, spins you up and down the tunnel a few times. Um, as a skydiver, it probably sounds kind of lame, but if it's your first time in there, it's usually everyone's favorite part. Have you been taken on a high flight, Mr. P? You know, not voluntarily, but God, I can't. I can't remember a specific time, but I know that I've had an experienced friend grab onto me and. Yeah, Jay. I'm Beenan- sure Tex would take you on one if he hears. I this. asked Jay Beanendahl to take me on a high flight one time. And, dude, I'll tell you, when he grabs onto me and you just passively let go and let him have complete control. So as a skydiver, you have to have an insane amount of trust in your high flight guy. Because at this point, I now go, okay, Jay, you're in charge. And Jay blasts us up to the tunnel, spinning us, brings us down to the net as quick as he can. And because it's me, he goes as fast fast, as hard, and hits the brakes as last second as he can. And we got out. He's like, I felt you and heard you giggling like a bitch the <laughs> entire time, man. I mean, at this point, I probably have 20 hours of tunnel time, which isn't tons in our world, but it's a, it's a fair amount. And I got thousands of skydives, and it made me giggle like a girl, dude. Yeah, when uh, like if we're in there training and uh, some of the other instructors will take me on one just to show me something, I mean, mm-hmm. they go pretty hard. It's kind of scary. Yeah. I mean, if they let go of you, you're you're gonna slam the wall pretty hard. H- have you seen any bad spots during a high flight? Ooh. Um, I know that they that they happen. They exist. I've seen video of it. Yeah, but uh, I just wonder if shoulder dislocation, it. which is usually of, the, of a student or instructor, not the instructor. Okay, of a student. Because um, yeah, they pretty much drop that arm and almost roll over. Uh, it's really sketchy. So yeah, if they ball up, I mean, you're you're falling from the ring. Man, I, I've never thought about that because I just think high flights, and I've never seen a bad high flight. But, dude, they can go. Uh, no, they, the instructors make it look really easy, but it's not. So why aren't you allowed to do high flights? That kind of leads into that. Uh, you just need the training for it. Um, I mean, you could probably learn it pretty quickly if you had a lot of dedicated training time. But part of it's experience, too. I mean, you just want to be comfortable taking your classes and really get that down, I guess, before you add that extra element to it. Yeah. I definitely know for AFF instructor training, 
holding on to somebody for dear life is one thing, flying them is another. Yeah. And what I look at when you're on the net is holding on to somebody for dear life. And when you're high flying them, it's actually flying their body. Yeah. And there's two phases or there's multiple phases in AFF instructor training. And those are some of the phases like, hey, let's just go on and have you hold on to me. Okay, now you have to control me, pitch control. Yeah, so there's either flying your own body or, yeah, pitch controlling the student. I guess you'd be doing both if you were sure. doing it correctly. Yeah. Do you ever see it that uh, an instructor will refuse to take somebody on a high flight who's just totally not getting it, totally yeah. flailing? Absolutely. Does it happen often? Um, not often, uh, mainly because we just have a lot of experienced instructors at Memorial. Um, I'm probably going to do it a lot when I get signed off, just because it's sketchy. But, uh, yeah, it happens. I mean... There's a lot of people. Just two minutes is not a lot of time to get somebody that's really bad at flying. <laughs> Whatever, stable. dude. You don't and even, even know. if you do, I'm by five minutes and fly on my head. You don't know me. That's right. <laughs> dude, I'm a skater, dude. I can do this shit. Even if you get them stable, I mean, if you when you start spinning them around, people's arms go from in front of them to behind them, and now they're pretty much tracking. I mean, <laughs> people arch, de arch, arch, de arch the whole time. I mean, it's. I don't know how these guys fly them so, so if smoothly. You, if you had to guess how many classes you've taken by now, what what do you think? How many I've taken? Yeah. Um, it's got to be maybe 100. Okay. Somewhere in that ballpark. How often do you run into that shithead that he's seen this on YouTube and he is super badass and he knows it? Uh, really not that often. I mean, most people want to do well. And if they don't, it's because they're scared. It's not because they're a dick. Um, <laughs> kids are the worst, man. The, the STEM <laughs> kids, like they just want to dab or they want to make their buddies laugh. And it's gotten to the point where I have to like bring it up in the class now. You have to address dabbing. I have to address it. Yeah, because <laughs> in the beginning they would they would ask me What's can I dab and I would just to? say like no I'd rather you not and they'd do it and I mean you you know you take your arms away you're gonna go forward into the glass so God. well or just learning, like learning the, hurts sometimes the class is over there and they're facing this way they want to they want to look back and make their buddies laugh and I mean that's not a good way to fly so. I got to turn the question around, Mr. P. I've not been a full-time skydiving instructor for 10 years now. This is the 10th year anniversary of the rating center. Yay, us. Um, how often do you run into the shithead that thinks he knows everything and you're just like, oh, great? Oh, I would say it's not that often. Once I would a week? Say, well, gosh, I don't know. I, I feel like that there's there are some people that just don't want to participate in having fun. You know they want to be too serious. They don't. They're not willing to be silly at all on video, <clears throat> and they think that you know, someone with a lot of sports in their background, whatever, they think that they have the shit f figured out, and that they're they've paid for video and pictures, but they're almost too cool to be having video and pictures happening at the same time. Uh, and we run into those guys here and there. It's not all that common. You know, most of the time I just really try and uh, I'll try. Like sometimes it works to be overly silly with that person and have them meet you in the middle, and then sometimes it works to just talk to them in the same, same way that they're talking to you, like almost match their tone, match their, mm -hmm. uh, almost act equally disinterested, and uh, sometimes that goes well. I, I've watched you. I, I I'm sure you know I'm an observer. I like to to watch people, and I'm sure you've watched me and noticed I've watched you at times. And you you're very good at interviewing people and drawing out whatever version of them you need to come out, and hence some of the videos you produce for Spaceland. So you, you've run 100 classes, and how long have you been an instructor? Uh, two months, I guess. So like signed off for two months. 50 classes a month easily. Yeah. And I haven't done the math. I'm just ballparking ball it. Yeah. And it's about to get busier. Sure. So I want to be a tunnel instructor. i got to realize being a tunnel instructor means I'm an instructor. Yeah. It means I'm behind the counter. Yeah. So yeah, there's more to it than just 
being in the wind, for sure. So there's no doubt flying has got to be the favorite part of your job. What is the least favorite part of your job without, you know, we, we don't want to get mean or rude, but, you know... The, uh, Let's Pat. just call it the most <laughs> difficult part. What's the most challenging part of being a tunnel instructor? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess they're just... I mean, physically, it's very demanding, but then, uh, yeah, if you've just got somebody that, that, like you said, doesn't even really want to be there or doesn't want to be a good flyer, that's frustrating. Like, you always want to help somebody that, that's just, you know, maybe they're scared or maybe they're just not getting it, but somebody that's, like, too cool to be there, mm-hmm. that's kind of frustrating. So, sure. oh, wait a minute. You, you, you said something that didn't click with me till just now. Somebody who doesn't want to be there. So, some of the students sure. you're flying with just don't want to fly. They're flying under the influence or... or persuasion of somebody else yeah for sure i i think to me that when i when i describe that person i think it's almost like they're putting on a show for everybody else of how cool they are yeah and they might even be like nervous or scared yeah yeah i'm really good at reading nervous people by now you know like especially when like in in the airplane i'll make a joke to somebody when i'm interviewing the plane hey you feeling nervous and it's like when when a dude says no and is nervous it's so painfully obvious Mm -hmm. to everybody with experience yeah it's like no no i'm not nervous oh yeah you were making that stupid face the whole time on purpose you fucking (laughs) asshole (laughs) and it's like dude i get being nervous like i have almost eight thousand jumps and i get nervous sometimes yeah like, yeah, I get nervous. Like, oh, yeah, this feels crazy. We're jumping out of an airplane. Yeah, I'm a little nervous. But I'm not going to lie about it. And I think it's the people that, that lie and try and cover it up. Those are the people who they're trying to cover up the fact they're nervous, trying to show everybody how super cool and super tough they are, and then also think that they're above the rules or above the limitations yep. in some way. Those are the people that are really hard for me to deal with. That To me, I just I just let them be whoever they are, and then I remember why I did it and still steal my do my best to have fun and if i can show them something along the way awesome and if they're totally closed off to it then uh, they missed out that's all you can do yep and it's like any customer service industry i mean you're just going to get bad customers people that are bitching about things yeah you can't there's always going to be crazy out there for sure yeah i don't know it doesn't really get me down that much probably because i'm new but i just kind of laugh about it i i think it's partially because you're new and we see that in our job uh and i think back to our jobs are very well related the new guy it's like I want to see how you behave when the new wears off. That's what's yep. going to be the real tell. But I also just back to have gotten to know you over time. I think your personality also serves well to that. So I think once you become jaded, you'll still be good with it. Yeah. So John would always say, uh, I guess smiling when I'm in class came pretty naturally for me. But then he started to pick up on when I was kind of angrily smiling. <laughs> so the forced smile. Yeah, the forced smile. You guys are all going to have such a great time. <laughs> I have said this enough times today. I gotta say it again. Yeah. So how long? How long is a class for the for the first time f- tunnel flyer? How long is a class? How I mean, long is the video? Most people come in and get two minutes of flying. Uh, we break it into two. No, but like instruction before they get into the tunnel. Oh. Um, yeah. So it's a full thirty minutes for class and gear up. Uh, like five of that's the instructional video with Chris Dixon. Um. And then, you know, every instructor's got their own kind of spiel they do. Um, so how long is your spiel on top of the video? <sighs> Probably another five minutes, maybe a little less. I know some of the experienced guys are, like, they play the video, and they bring them right out, and then some of the other oh, guys... Oh, the burnouts. Are, <laughs> you said it. Yeah, me. I did. <laughs> <laughs> but some of those classes are effective. I mean, sometimes you, you can definitely overload people. Yeah. So. And then some instructors do really thorough classes, and, you know, they get really good students too so yeah i think there's absolutely a balance with i mean i'm not an instructor in the sky or in the tunnel 
but I think that there's from I, I have had a front row seat to a lot of different instructors in, in the tunnel and in the sky. And it seems like there's a really good balance to strike between being informative and being effective and just totally giving somebody way too much information and not being able to emphasize the important parts because you gave them so much. Yeah, for but, sure. Uh, and they kind of brought it up in the training. Um, the you know how the person actually did versus how they think they did. You know, if they if you just get them to fly stable and you're super excited and hey, you did great, you know, they might think they did better than somebody that you taught how to turn and go up and down, but like then you were trying to teach them how to go forward and back and they failed. And, you know, maybe you came out like, oh, you need to work on this. And they might have thought they, they did worse. So, so John's philosophy is usually like if it's a first time flyer and they only have two minutes, just keep it simple. Like just try to get them to fly. Don't be holding them the whole time. But some other people like Rory does a really good job of actually coaching first timers. I mean, he's almost teaching everybody something turning or going up and down he's got so. a passion for that yeah there's there's a guy named uh, bob or robert pike and robert pike pike's rule or pike's law uh teaches us that people remember how many bits of information mr p oh gosh i think it's five plus or minus two five to seven plus or minus two seven plus or minus two Shit. it's seven plus or minus two so the average person will take in seven bits of information before they hit overload the plus or minus two is the intensity or the weight of the information and if I go into a tunnel training class, I can remember nine bits of information because it's very relevant, very uh, uh, common information to me. But when I look at a first-time flyer, it's very overwhelming and it's very exciting. Exciting, good, exciting, bad, it doesn't matter. So if we look at that plus or minus rule, it would really tell me five bits of information. Let me give this student five key components, and really, that's at max. For some of them, I'm just happy they came in with their shoes fucking tied, yep. right? I'm glad your socks match today, buddy, or mismatch on purpose. I'm okay with that, too. And, and that's one thing if you're teaching, remembering that overloading, and you, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, Pike's Law is people remember seven plus or minus two bits of information. That's the one thing, you know, that, that people think about. You, you, you spend 50-plus classrooms a, a month. You're sitting in a driving booth. How exciting is driving the tunnel? Uh, it's really exciting when you're new for like the first couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> and then how immediately boring does it become? Uh, if you're just doing the 30 minute driving shift and then moving on, it's really not bad. Um, if you're driving for eight hours, it's it's pretty boring. Yeah. And right now, a buddy of ours is probably doing a lot more driving, Steven, than he yep. wants to. He just recently got injured. Yep. Uh, I was down for about a week. I uh, messed my foot up. So I was driving. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then you said there's debrief time to counter time. How much time do you spend behind a counter during a, a, a shift? Um, I mean, the gear up's probably 15 of that 30 minutes, you know, including the video and just standing by the door getting ready to do your thing. And then the D gear is a lot quicker. That's maybe only 10 minutes. But, yeah, I mean, it's you're kind of speaking in front of groups of people and trying to sell iFly. So what I'm, I'm hearing is 30 to 45 minutes of every hour, you're not in the tunnel. You're at the tunnel. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're only in the wind, even on your busiest shift for a max two hours. So if I'm going into this idea going like, oh, my God, I'm going to be in the tunnel all the time. No, and, and I mean, you're you're walking around. You yeah. know, it's, it's good because you're still in the wind, but you're not practicing flying. Yeah. Now, please, if you're listening to this, don't get me wrong. Skydiving for me is the same way. It is a dream job. It's a freaking wonderful life. I think you really love the job you have right now. Mm -hmm. And, Mr. P, I think you really enjoy Sorry, the job you have water. right now. Agreed. Um, but it's a job. 
And that's the thing. If you're going to go work at the wind tunnel, if you're going to go work in the sport of skydiving, understand it's a job. And I've heard criticism over the years of, oh, blah, 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 blah. You think it's a job. Dude, Mr. P approaches it as a job. And when you see Nick Lott at the drop zone, do you see somebody who really enjoys what he's doing? I think so. When you see me at the drop zone, and you've actually trained with me, do you think I actually enjoy teaching these classes? I hope so. But you, you've been in class with me. Do you actually believe I enjoyed that class? Did it seem like I enjoyed my time? I was having a good time? I, I think you did, unless you were faking it. No, I really enjoy okay. it, man. I, I, I have an absolute pleasure. And I think part of it comes with I see the job part of it, so I know how to separate both. Yeah. How important do you think seeing the tunnel as a job is to longevity? Even though you're the new guy, I think you're a smart guy. Do you think that's that's an important statement? Yeah, for sure. I mean, even me going into it, I, it wasn't just about going there to fly. It was I wanted to do something. Not that I guess what I was doing before didn't matter, but now you know you can tell people are smiling. You're kind of making a difference in someone's day. You know the the feeling you get when somebody it clicks and they go from just kind of lost to like they're kind of flying now. They're they're putting in inputs and their body's moving the way they want it to. That's really cool. What is your favorite part of teaching a new flyer? And I think you just probably hit it. Yeah, probably just the the light coming on. Yeah. Um, Chris Fudala, he'll be visiting us in a couple of weeks. He calls it, I love chasing light bulbs. And, and it's that moment to get that aha moment to help somebody get it. So I want to become a tunnel instructor. You recently went through this process. What, what advice would you give to me to become a tunnel instructor? I uh, like to get hired. Yeah, let's start with that. Sure. Um, a lot of the advice I got was pretty spot on. I mean, you you can't just show up and say, I'm a skydiver. I love to fly. Hire me. You know what I mean? It's got to you got to present yourself a little more than that. Um, what's cool, at least about Memorial, what I really like about Christian is I've never felt like I had to hide that I was passionate about it. I mean, that's like a big part of why he's happy we're there. He knows we like to fly. Um but yeah, I mean, you got to put in the work and uh, just being able to talk to people is really important too. I mean, I'm sure the the interview face-to-face goes a long way. You yeah. know, you have to be able to conduct yourself because you are interacting with customers all the time. Something you said a second ago is you don't want to just show up and say, I'm a skydiver, I like to fly. I, uh, how, how true is this today? And Mr. P might be able to chime in really, uh, I th- hope you can. Uh, I've known in times in iFly's history, they... A, don't care that you're a skydiver and at times preferred you not to be a skydiver because training you raw is better than trying to break an ego and habits. Sure. Do you think that's still a true statement in the culture of the company today that they like hiring non-jumpers? You know, I don't know because Memorial's just got so many jumpers um, and that's really the only one I know. At your exposure. Uh, Well, I think that it kind of that attitude kind of waxed and waned a little bit. I think as they started to really grow, they tried to go down that road of like, hey, we're not going to do skydivers we want to just find new people but i think the problem that they had is i I think skydivers stick with the job because it's something that they're passionate about okay and we just hire joe schmo off the street and sure that maybe they've flown before maybe the idea of being a tunnel instructor is cool to them but i just don't think there's a lot of longevity there and i think that the tunnels that have done well are pretty dense with uh with skydivers that it's people who those are the people who stick it out you know the people that, that like it the people that can connect what they're getting out of this job to something else that's important to them. I think those are the people that really stick around and that uh, are, are, you know, they have a reason to do a good job with it. So I think that uh, to me, and I could be wrong, maybe someone with a, with a different perspective of the company might have a different opinion, but I really think that the tunnels that I've seen do well and the instructors that I've seen do well and stay for a long time is uh, a lot of skydivers for sure. 
Okay. And, and really, I think that makes Memorial make more sense because we see a lot of skydivers. Mm-hmm. I do think Memorial is very unique of all the tunnels I've been to. Um, I, I, I know a lot of people, and it seems like the relationship between skydivers and tunnel flyers here in Houston is very strong, where I don't think it's true of every city that has a tunnel. Yeah, and I never really understood that. I mean, to me, they're kind of two sides of the same coin, I guess. Like, sure, yeah. there's differences, but it's like flying to me. You know what I mean? I would never say I'm one or the other. I like that statement. We're two sides of the same coin. We're sisters. We're brothers. We're however you want to look at it. We're not even no, cousins. We are sisters, me and you. We're sisters. How you doing? How you doing? I kissed Hank today Ooh. and yesterday. <laughs> um, I, I kissed him yesterday and told me he was a bad kisser. So today he had to prove he was a good kisser. Oh, way to go. I said, you're better, but you're still bad. So <laughs> the weird part is I gave him a kiss yesterday because he was being weird. And when I kissed him, he opened his mouth while I was kissing. I'm like, okay, oh. now you got freaky on me, buddy. Speaking of open mouth kisses, I went to John Barry, or I went to dinner with John Barry yesterday. It was great. <laughs> you know John Barry? You I don't him? know. Oh, uh, he's a I listened to his episode, man. though. Oh, did you? Uh, yeah. God, he Barry. is hilarious, man. He's uh, still living in Saipan. I went out with him and his wife. We went and got burgers. And he is just as fucking crazy as ever, and I love him. I love that boy. Ready Player One is a book he recommended I read, and it's sitting right over there because I finished it a while a while back now. Super good book. Um, so advice to hiring process. I'm now hired. Man, I'm about to take FITP. What advice would you give me there? Um, Maybe because I'm getting older, I guess. But, dude, take care of your body. Like... That month is tough. He's 28 instead of getting Yeah, I, I knew you were going to roll your eyes at me on that one. Oh, my God. Cody Swinson this fucking week goes, oh, man, I'm just getting old. It hurts. I'm like, how old are you? 28. I'm like, you're an asshole. Well, Logan's like 20, I think. Oh, there's no doubt. He's 28, young. you're feeling it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So get in shape. Um, one of the things that I hear is the most common injury you hear in tunnel instructors is what? Shoulders. Shoulders. But yeah, a good friend of ours, a guy named Jed Lloyd, has been a tunnel instructor for quite a long time. He's never had any shoulder injuries. What do you think the difference between him and other flyers are? I've talked to him about this. Uh, a lot of it's technique. Uh huh. Um, a lot of the things you use your shoulders for, you can do more effectively with your lats. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess don't be a shithead. We'll do that last 10%. Yeah, and I really think most of it is technique. And even in AFF instructor flying, I teach people, if you're flying with your student out at a longer grip, you have less control because of leverage. You have less control because you're using more of these heads right here. If you bring them in nice and tight and you bring them into this portion of your body, you're stronger inside your core. So we even, in, in AFF instruction, you don't see as many blown shoulders, but there's been a lot of AFF instructors over years. You have to be years of an AFF instructor. Because for me to deal with 10 students in a day is a lot. For you to deal with 10 students in an hour is normal. Mm-hmm. So your numbers are much higher than ours. So you guys get four or five times aware. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and you, when you're new, I think you muscle the students a lot more than when you kind of learn how to pitch control them a little bit and just let the wind do the work. So, you know, when you're new, maybe you're pulling somebody's leg to keep them near you. And then until you realize you just push down in the back of their knee and they kind of fly back towards you. So probably the quicker you can... Learn how to do that. You save your body a little bit. I'm going to uh, just take a quick plug to tunnel instructors because as AFF instructors, what we've done is we've learned from everybody around us. And one of the things we learned is I actually teach in AFF instructor courses pitch control, and I stole it from the tunnel world. And so if you ever want to become an AFF instructor, go to a tunnel instructor and say, I want to learn pitch control. And that's a word that they'll understand. Is that true? Mm-hmm. And and learn to do that. And if you know that before you go into an AFF course, if you know that before you go into a FITP, do you think that's going to be a benefit in your world? Yeah, absolutely. Huge benefit in my world as well. 
So th- those are some of the advices you would give. Now, this next question you might not be able to answer because I, I know in, in some jobs uh, you're not allowed to disclose these kind of things. But what's the starting pay for a tunnel instructor? Yeah, um, it's low. I don't know if I can or should put a number on it, but okay, uh, it's a, you're paid hourly, and then uh, there's opportunities for commissions and and then tips are a big part of it. And then I think the goal is eventually to get a coaching base, but that's going to take some time. And accumulating flight time, how big of an appeal is that to you? Yeah, I mean that's probably why most people do it, especially if you're a skydiver. It's like the flight time is a benefit of the what, job. What do you mean accumulating flight time? I assume you just mean like getting hours in the wind. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's part no, of the, I like, mean, but part of your pay is getting oh, yeah, compensated so, so with full time. You get uh, ninety minutes a month of staff time. So I'll th- I'll throw out some numbers here because a I have no association to iFly except for I'm a customer there. Um, I've heard rumors and I've heard from uh, friends that $8 an hour might be starting pay. And I don't know if that's an exaggerated number or a true number, but it would be fair to say that it, it's obviously a low number starting out salary. It's a little higher. It's a little higher. Not much, but a little bit. So it's still very low. Sure. So really you're not getting paid much said and done if you only count that. No. How much flight time do you get as part of your pay? Uh, full times, 90 minutes a month. Um, but so the, you're the, almost never flying by yourself. You know, you're flying with four other instructors. So when you split the time, you know, it's you can pretty much fly as much as you want. D- didn't the deal used to be that you got so many minutes for so many hours that you worked? Have they have they stopped doing that? Uh, I, I they guess were. they stopped because I think part time employees get 40, 40 oh, or okay. minutes. Oh, okay. So it's a just a hard number. Yeah. Cool. No, that's, that's, that's what cool. I thought, Nick, Mr. P, is, is the same thing you just said. So 90 minutes a month for full time guys. And that's just staff time. I mean, there's you're still going to be flying if you're. Doing training. Flying demos, training, yeah, coaching, demo. all that. Yep. Is there a cap of how much time you can get, fly it or lose it? I think it rolls over three months. Okay. Yeah. So three months. It used to be three hours from what I remember. Yeah, I remember 180 minutes being as much time as you could have on your I account. could be wrong. But yeah. that, I'm that not they may have changed. I think so. God, I don't know how long it's been now, but just because my perception of time is so terrible. But there <laughs> was a, a big company called KSL that invested a lot of money into iFly. Yeah, basically. Yeah. You could say that they bought iFly, but uh, they a lot of the iFly upper management still remain the same. But um, they spent enough money that they got to make some rules, and that's when uh, a lot of the staff flight stuff, uh, it just got to be really strict with who you could share your staff flight time with. Yep. And I think that some of those numbers may have changed in, in that time. So from what I understand, your immediate family, it, you can share that time with. So it's kind of like a benefit of the job. You can bring in your... I remember Significant when another mom, sister, brother, whatever. First of all, will you date me then? <laughs> so get pick another. Just you're I'll, married. I only need you to date me during tunnel sessions. That's all. Significant. Are other. you a Mormon? Uh, sure, sure. I'm a gay Mormon. So bisexual Mormon. Yeah, I think that. <laughs> I think all that started because uh, people were bringing their skydiver buddies in. Oh, dude, flying them on staff time and. Dude, I got a shitload of staff time. I remember when our friends could bring us in. See, and, and I don't really think that that was the problem of yeah. bringing buddies. I think that there were a lot of people who were using using their staff flight time as trade for goods, commodities, and services with, with other people. Where it was like so and so who you hardly know who put a sweet stereo system in your car and you're not even there when they come in to fly this time and it, it got to be traded uh way too openly and i think just just like how skydivers do with most things some if there's a good deal people abuse it and then you lose the good deal 
Makes sense. Yeah. I, I, dude, I've taught coach courses for weapons. I, I've, <laughs> most of the weapons I own were in exchange for coaching. And See, but when you're the one in charge and you're going to make that call, that's different oh, yeah. than when you're paying somebody sure. and this flight time is supposed to be part of their compensation and then they're selling that off at a profit. And now this person who maybe would have paid for this time from the company is getting it for free. I think that gets uh, that gets pretty hairy. And I, th- I think that they just got a feel for, I mean, and this feel may not be all that realistic, but they just had it in their head of, oh, we're bleeding money in these areas. All this time that's being given away from our from our staff, this is all money that the company's losing. And when you add that up over, I don't know how many tunnel instructors there are, but I think there are at least a couple hundred by now. You add that up over a couple hundred, uh, it gets to be a, a large amount of, free business that your company's doing. So that's why they... I could imagine because the rating center guys aren't allowed to do work trade without approaching me first. Now, I commonly approve it. You know, I've had uh, Doug, who used to run rating center Dallas, like, I'm going to do this work trade. Yes. But because um, I do make some of that money when they they do work trades, it's cutting out of my pocket. It's it's customers who are coming to me instead. Um, So even at my small scale of like five, eight uh, uh, team members, I don't... They're not really employees. They really are team members. Um, it, it helped. It hurts us. Um, yeah, I didn't. Uh, I I knew it slowed down, but I didn't know there was kind of an official stance on that. Yeah, and I mean, I get the company policy. Like you said, they don't want to be. They don't want people coming in flying that time for free that aren't going to be paying for it. But I'm of the belief that, like those skydivers, they're going to come as much as they can afford to. So they're probably still going to buy time, even if they're hopping in on staff yeah. time. But now, one of the other I understand thing, it. One of the other things you insinuated. Uh, and, and you not even insinuate, you straight up spoke to is the goal is really to build a client, a, a coaching clientele. Yeah. So one of the goals for a, a tunnel instructor and really a good way for y'all to make money. And this is where there's a little bit better, more lucrative business is you are for hire as a coach beyond an iFly instructor. Yep. Now, uh, I, I'm pretty obvious because you're new. If I really want to get some of the higher level training, I might go to somebody like John Walker or Tex who's joined us on the show. Yep. But right now, if I wanted to get training and coaching with you, you could do stuff with me. Uh, so as a level one, I'm rated to spot and coach belly. That's it. So uh, I'm a new jumper. I got 50 jumps. Are you the kind of coach I could use? Sure. Yeah. What kind of things would you work with me on? What kind of things are you going to teach me? Um, just the basic movements. I mean, it's like the, the level one skills, the up and down, <laughs> forward, back. Uh, turns, side slides. Have you got to work with any of these 50 jump wonders yet? Um, I haven't with any skydivers just because uh, they all seem to already be on the back flying portion uh-huh. uh, their progression. But um, yeah, it'd be cool. I mean, with skydivers, you can also work on things like wave off and fake deployment, you know, without, you don't want people to roll over on their back as they're reaching for their pilot chute. But so many people go in the tunnel with 50 jumps and say, well, man, I'm a skydiver. I got this. Have you seen any of these guys fly for the first time yet? Yeah, uh, no one with that attitude. I mean, the, most of the people I've seen, are they just want to learn. They want to get better. Yeah. They're pretty humbled by it. So they come in already humbled. Even coming in humbled, how much more humbling do you think the tunnel experience is for them? Uh, just from my own experience, when I was going through STP, I think I went in for 10 minutes. Uh-huh. I mean, it's just different. The, the walls are right there. So. so even with 50 jumps, I could benefit highly from coaching. Yeah, and uh, I know everyone's in a rush to free fly, but, I mean, I was on my belly for hours in FITP. And yeah. Th- it's just, there's so much you can always get better on. Why do you think that's important? Uh, I mean, if you want to be a good flyer, you gotta, you got to be really solid, right? Yeah. Do you, uh, do you think there's other important, re- like, what, what else would you expand on with the importance of being a strong belly flyer to moving on to back and sit? 
Um, I mean, I always think about something Cy told me when I was brand new because, you know, I got my license. I wanted to learn how to sit fly like everybody else. He just said, man, if you – doesn't matter how much of a shredder you are on your head or whatever, if you can't even get to the formation on your belly, like, no one's going to respect you. Yeah. So that always kind of stuck with me. It, and it, I, I like flying <clears throat> belly. I think it's fun. I love a good belly jump. In reality, belly is the easiest access to learn. When you're on your back, control of your legs is ultimately important. Sit flying, control your legs is super important. And head down is extremely important. All fair statements. Mm -hmm. And so when you're on your belly, on the easy access to control, leg awareness, leg strength, leg control. When I'm doing basic belly coaching in the tunnel or in the sky, we're really focusing on flying the whole body, but the legs become a large focus. So no matter what you want to do, belly flying will benefit that leg awareness. Even with uh, like 350 jumps, a couple hours in the tunnel, going through FITP, John was making fun of me that I mean I really couldn't fly my legs on my belly. You know, sometimes when I needed to get lift, I was pushing down on the wind. Yeah. So I mean, you never really master it. In, in AFF instructor courses, I train people with 500 to thousands of skydives, and every single one of them, we talk about their legs. But I've just worked with some guys with five, seven hundred jumps, and their leg awareness is just total shit. Yeah. Um, now, thankfully, they're very receptive. They were strong learners. These guys were really progressing well. But there was a lot of basic fundamental coaching. So fundamental coaching, I want to get coaching. I want to learn to fly better in the tunnel. I want to learn better to fly better in the sky. And I've listened to Nick Serrera, and, man, this guy sounds like he's a pretty chill, cool guy. I want to coach with you. How do I get a hold of you, and then what do you charge? Um, so you should probably get a hold of somebody else. Uh, I've kind of been just Come on, don't sell yourself short. Even John Walker chimed in. Nick is a great coach, he said, with an exclamation point. Oh, that sounds... Maybe you need a little... Not like little sarcasm. <laughs> well, seemed, seemed pretty genuine. No, I mean, if, yeah, if you're brand new, I, you know, I could probably help you out a little bit. Um, I kind of uh, just been working on, like, friends or, you know, people I already know. I've, I've had a couple first-timers come in that really picked up quick, uh, and they've come back and they wanted to fly with me. So that's a pretty cool feeling. Yeah. But... um. So what do you charge for coaching? Uh, I don't know if I should say this. So for my friends, I haven't charged anything more than just the time. What would so. you charge normal people? Well, like you, somebody's coming up, like, hey man, I'm from Spaceland. I heard that you work here. I want to hook up with you. What what what's my rate? I'd have to check with the other guys, but usually the instructors try to all charge the same. Yeah, like either a thousand an hour, or maybe it's ten fifty. I think we're at ten fifty right now. Uh, ten fifty is a number that, that pops out of my head. Yeah, yeah. Because I charge. I the actually same thought thing they when I first started that if you were a newer guy, you would charge less. You know, like the more experienced guys would charge more, get a premium. But actually, I bet you're, everybody's you're, telling you to not do that. Yeah, right? you're kind of undercutting other people, so it seems like yeah. everyone stick I, with the same number. I, I think that that's a really good idea, and I've I've heard it explained a couple of ways. One, one, you're undercutting other people, and two, that later on these these people that you get now people are going to stick with you it's going to be impossible to raise your rates to what they're supposed to be when those when those people stick with you sure so uh man I, you're being really humble about this whole thing but man talk talk to some of these guys that ha that have you know developed their coaching business and they're going to tell you man own it <coughs> like you've got any any person that comes in any new flyer that comes in you've absolutely got stuff to teach these people so yeah, yeah. so so uh, i did talk to tex uh for uh, a good bit one day about that um he just kind of cautioned against moving too fast. You don't want to just jump right in, especially walking around the DZ. Oh, I'm a tunnel instructor. You know, I'll coach you, man. And then if you do a poor job because you're brand new, because there's a skill to coaching, obviously, you sure. the rating center. It's not just because just you can do it doesn't mean you can teach it. Um, you can kind of burn yourself if you rush in too quickly. Yeah. Plus, uh, being a level one, all I can do is belly. So there's plenty to learn there, but a lot of people want to get right into back flying and eventually sit flying. So 
so this message really comes to you, not to the listeners, and, and, and really to some of the listeners as well. But one of the things that I was worried about, and I haven't done a lot of tunnel flying lately, but in the first couple of years of Memorial, I did a lot more belly coaching with new low timers. And I was really worried, like, man, John Walker, I don't want to step on your toes. This is your house. This is your home. This is where you make your living. Tex, Jay Vienendahl at the time was still working there. All these other tunnel flyers, man, I want to respect you guys. And one of the things that I heard consistently out of these guys is like, man, I've got enough coaching, enough things going on, and people want to do more advanced things that, frankly, DJ, I don't have time to always deal with the beginner belly stuff. Mm -hmm. So having a guy like you around to work with the beginner belly stuff is actually a benefit for me. And they also don't always want to do it. In some cases, they don't mind. They just don't have the time. In some cases, they don't want to. So I hope you understand that your limitation is an asset, not necessarily a limitation. Sure. That makes sense. Um, Yeah, I mean, I love to do it. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I guess just it's so expensive, tunnel time, that uh, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't want someone to be wasting money, you know, with a newer coach that's still kind of learning from them. So that's why it's been good to kind of learn on my friends, you know, where yeah. it doesn't matter if I screw up someone. I commonly will back up text uh, in, in many situations. Uh, in, in this this situation, I'll back up text, no doubt, when I when he says, man, don't get ahead of yourself. Don't get too big for your britches is, is in essence what he said, right? And there's so many new tunnel coaches I see come into the program, or excuse me, tunnel instructors I see come into the program. They immediately start trying to pimp and sell their services, and I'm like, you're just an idiot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're the guy who throughout your skydiving career, I think I would be able to give you this advice. And I think in, in your tunnel instructor and coaching career, I'm going to give you the same advice. Be careful that you're not being overly cautious at the same time. And that's rare advice I give. Sure. Most people overstep their bounds. I think you have more to offer than you realize. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate that. Now, I really think we should have brought John Walker in here. <laughs> this should have been a tag team <laughs> o- show. Only because he's been chiming in a lot. He said he's I can't for, believe he's watching live. He said that you are for real a good coach and that you're good because you're humble. And uh, I don't think John's the sort to John to, tell to the blow truth. hot air. He probably just feels bad because he was talking so much shit when he was in here. John, is that the truth, <laughs> dude, man? You feel like shit. Dude, now? that was one of my favorite parts about having John in here. Is like, I mean, I, I know John from the from the tunnel, but man, he talked a ton of shit to mm. me and at me and just about <laughs> everything. Man, I loved it. And the other we'll thing have, he we'll did a lot John. of, mm. a lot, lots of dad, a lot of dad grunts. Mm. Yeah, does he do that at work all the time? Oh yeah. Mm. He likes to tell stories. Most of his lessons are in the form of a story. Mm. <laughs> I think we're going to have John back on here for before not too long. I dude, I really think we did it. We just touched the tip of the iceberg of the great John Walker. So man, we're pregnant really, again. I don't know if he's he pregnant. Is, he's pregnant again. Dude, you know, uh, M, his wife, man, I met her uh, just through iFly Memorial and she just seems like such a wonderful personality. She's such a nice gal, such a nice lady. And, and I couldn't be happy for them. So, John M., congratulations. I, I just, uh, what, what a great, wonderful couple of people. Man, we need to wrap up because Nick Lott turns into a pumpkin at a certain time, and he's also about to go to a strip club, and he's got a rendezvous with Sparkles. Is that her name? Yeah, and I got to cash a $100 bill into a bunch of ones, so I really need to. Uh, make it rain! We're going to make it rain soon, right? Uh, dude, you know that's on the list. Oh, yeah, I want to be there for that one. Where's the uh, strip club in Pearland? <laughs> Dude, uh, yeah, don't even think there is one. Nice, no, foolish. I got to pick a buddy up from the airport. That's why I got to get out of here. So, before we get moving, before we get rolling out, first of all, there's anything you want to share with our, our our fans, and number two, uh, anything else you want to tell share about who you are? Yeah, sure. Um, I guess if it's something you want to do, go do it. Uh, there's a lot of people, like I said earlier, that kind of 
discouraged me from from applying to iFly for whatever their reasons were. But man, I love it. Uh, so like the first time, other than that, working for the Penguins, where I'm really excited to go to work every day. Um, actually, feel like I'm doing something meaningful. So yeah, I don't regret it at all. I'm super happy. Man, if you got a discouragement for a fella, be truthful, be honest. I think maybe you and I may have talked about it at some point, and I'll tell you, hey, man, just know that there are some downsides, and these are downsides. I, I never tell people don't do it. I just say understand the pros and cons. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure we had this conversation. I was one of those guys. I think we did. I mean, it. it's scary anytime you want to take a passion of yours and then go work in it. You know, mm -hmm. you're always risking burning out or maybe you end up hating it, which is kind of a scary thought. But uh, I'm glad I did this one because so far it's been great. Anything else you want to share? No. Thanks for having me on. Oh, dude, thank you for being here, man. Uh, maybe next time we have you on, we'll have the John Walker, uh, mini great. John Walker show together. Maybe we have you guys come in and tag team this shit. That sounds fun. I think that'll be a good time. So, John Walker, here in the near future, I'm going to hook up with both of you guys. I'm calling you out. We'll get the OG and the baby G together and talk about what's going on. Mr. P, what else you got, my friend? That's it, buddy. I'm, I'm ready. Dude, Chris Fudala owes a shitload of beer, so Chris Fudala will be buying a keg of beer for Gravity Lab Radio's film festival. Um, till then, guys and gals, check us out next week. Mr. Jay Stokes, Mr. The Iron Man of Skydiving will be joining us. Till then, this is Gravity Lab Radio. Blue skies, we are fucking out of here. Snatch. <laughs>